Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of WST, Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Storm Talk. Yeah, we're right in the midst of it here with this uh, big blizzard that has been expected for a day or two. No Winnipeg Jets game tonight, but we'll still be having some fun here for the next couple hours. And as I mentioned, we are going to split it between Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Storm Talk. Eddie Tate of the Blue, WinnipegBlueBombers.com will join us. Janari Grant's back with the club. Talk a little bit about the Bomber offseason, the events that they had planned this week, what's happened to them, new third jersey unveiling and whatnot, as well as a bit of a look ahead to training camp. We're going to have Murata Tesh jump on the program as well. Uh, Murat's got a great piece in The Athletic um, on something we talked quite a bit about yesterday, the young players getting an opportunity, what they showed yesterday. And, um, you know, he wrote about the the path to playing time for the Jets young players. So we'll get to that, his thoughts on the team, more in the National Hockey League and more. And then at 2.30, I'm very excited about this. You know I'm an amateur weather uh, geek. This is, uh, well... It, it has certainly been promote, promoted as one of the most significant storms we've had in a long, long time around here. And when you're talking storms in Winnipeg, you're talking Rob's OBS. And uh, first of all, you should be following already if you are into getting the most important up-to-date information on the storm. Rob's a, a former Environment Canada meteorologist, has a, a ton of information and expertise on that. And he's going to join us at 2.30. We'll get a little bit of an update as to what's happened so far and what we're in for over the course of the next 24-plus hours. All that being said, welcome to everyone that is with us here live on YouTube and, of course, to everyone listening to the podcast a little later on. And I would imagine that there's a good chance that we might have some podcast listeners that normally... Um, you know, normally are working during the day that might be at home today and welcome again. So if you are a new uh, YouTube viewer, but listen otherwise, or you're just new in, let us know in the chat. Welcome to everyone, though. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I'm sure there'll be lots of hot sports takes and hot weather takes over the course of the next uh, next couple hours. Um, of course, and as always, Remus just said, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily, 1 o'clock p.m. And if you're not able to pop by, it's also a great way to check, uh, catch up with the show afterwards by checking out the YouTube in, additional, in addition to the podcast. All right, Remus is going to come in here. We've got a lot to get to right off the top of the program, uh, but this show doesn't happen with the great support of our sponsors. And uh, we want to thank them all, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. This is some afternoon baseball tonight. Doesn't really, or this afternoon, I should say, doesn't really feel like baseball weather around here, but uh, certainly does feel like hockey weather, although there's no hockey game tonight downtown. That game, of course, as we told you yesterday during the program, rescheduled to the 1st of May, that will be the final game of the NHL's regular season, and in all likelihood, the final game for both the Winni the uh, Seattle Kraken and the Winnipeg Jets for 2021-2022. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to everyone in YouTube. Michael Remus, what's going on? How are you? Uh, how are things around WSTHQ on the south side? Storm? What storm? I've driven in worse stuff <clears throat> than this, Hustler. What's going on? I think people... I think, look, it's April... 
You realize it's just starting, like it's not over, right? I realize this is going to go for two days, but um, it's April, it's a long weekend coming up. People are tired of this. We're done with winter. Let's just take, you know, an extra long weekend. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I drove out this morning. It was fine. We'll see what it's like uh, this afternoon. If I can drop my kid off at my parents, let's see if I can go uh, pick them up. Uh, you know, if I can't. Uh, I guess it's just a weekend for me. <laughs> Jeez, better fire up the PS4. Maybe get a little NBA jam going on and, uh, yeah. and make the most of it. Hey, a snow day for so many right now. I do know that, um, of course, it has been, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but I'm talking to people in Winnipeg School Division. I mean, the schools have not been closed in a long, long time, probably upwards of 25 years, and certainly a preemptive two-day shutdown heading into Good Friday. Um, hey, will be some great family time. Although, let's face it, coming out of the pandemic, I think everyone's had quite a bit of that. Certainly folks that had to homeschool kids and deal with everything over the last couple of years. But anyways, make the most of it, people. We certainly will be. and We will be having some fun. Hey, listen, I, you know, I want to get to this right off the bat because we're going to get to a bunch of other topics, have fun on this program, joke around. Uh, but the lead story today, both on the sports pages in Winnipeg and in all likelihood at the top of the broadsheet, in addition to the blizzard, is a horrible, horrible announcement today by Winnipeg police of arrests of a, I have to say, one of the most <clears throat> famous and, and as, well, I shouldn't say esteemed, one of the most successful coaches in Winnipeg high school football history, um, Kelsey McKay the head coach of the Vincent Massey Trojans, former head coach of the Churchill Bulldogs, was arrested today. I'm just going to read this directly from what the police uh, released today. In April 22, the WPS's sex crimes unit was contacted by five adult survivors of historical sexual assaults. The assaults were reported to have occurred between 04 and 2011 when they were students and played football for Churchill High School and Vincent Massey Collegiate. The survivors all reported that this time frame they had been sexually assaulted by the same adult male who initially taught physical education and coached football at Churchill and subsequently became the phys ed teacher and football coach at Vincent Massey. The suspect forged relationships with these students where he regularly communicated with them. The majority of the offenses occurred at the suspect's residence. On April 12, 2002, the sex crime unit arrested and charged Chelsea, Kelsey Albert Dana McKay 51 of Winnipeg with the following offenses. Five counts of sexual assault, four counts of sexual exploitation, one count of sexual interference, and four counts of luring. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's been released on Crown consent with conditions as per the criminal code. Um, and then there's a number for other victims to come forward at 204 986 6245. Um, as well as WPS Victim Services at 204-986-6350. Excuse me. And the Clinic Sexual Assault Crisis Line at 204-786-8631. Um, you know, I had a chance to talk to Hamilton earlier today, and uh, obviously he's been uh, on top of the story when it broke. Um, and, you know, with his work in, you know, the three years putting together the uh, report on the Graham James tragedy. Uh, and all the people that touched us. There's a lot of that to this. Um, what is different is the timing of it. I mean, you know, there's a lot more evidence when you're texting and there's social media and all those things, um, you know, in the 2000s and there was back in the Graham James day. 
Uh, but I have to say, Remus, and we just needed to start this right off the bat and and and, and discuss it quickly um, because this is going to be like a nuclear bomb in the football community here in Manitoba. Um, Kelsey McKay had incredible success at the smallest high school, Churchill, and then moved on to start the program at Vincent Massey, which very quickly under his guidance became a real powerhouse in Winnipeg high school football. Looking at his CV, and I wasn't entirely sure about this, but I do believe he also spent quite a bit of time as the coach of Team Manitoba, um, getting the best of the young high school players. Um, so this, unfortunately, has so many similarities to some of the worst sexual assault cases we've heard. Um, what is noteworthy that it's a football story, it's local here in Winnipeg, and of course, it dates back to these offenses, at least between 2004 and 2011. But uh, this obviously is just the first, but another black, black day for minor sports and um, predators amongst us. And uh, But the name Kelsey McKay, uh, my jaw was on the floor when I got a text this morning that this was going down. Yeah, and, um, you know, learned a lot over the past couple of years reading Jeff's stain on our game. And Again, sounds like very similar. Someone in a position of power using their, you know, position to, you know, commit sexual assault. Um, sad, very sad that, you know, this stuff is still happening. You know, you think like who who would do something like this, but here we are. I mean, you know, Graham James seemed like so long ago, but here we are. You know, but it's two thousand four to two thousand eleven, and um, you know, props to the individuals you know, with the, who had the courage to come forward and, you know, and admit, uh, you know, what was, and said what was going on. So, um, shocking stuff has, as you said, to read this morning and shocking for it. Mm -hmm. You know, anyone who's ever, you know, played on a team or, or played, played football, played sports, uh, or played at, uh, Vincent Massey. Uh, yeah, uh, this was, uh, this was a tough one to read. Well, it, it is. I mean, we always sort of joke about how Winnipeg is one degree of separation. But for people, I mean, you know, from, you know, I, I would have been in an era where he was, I guess, finishing playing and beginning to be a coach, uh, getting into coaching over at Churchill. I don't exactly remember because Paul Normando was the head coach of the Churchill Bulldogs. He came over to Kelvin um, and ended the 25 year drought, um, you know, at the end of the 89 90 season. Brian Doby was the coach at Churchill at that point. And then, you know, a few years later, Brian Doby got the job with the U of M Bisons. I'm not sure whether Kelsey McKay took over immediately after that or if he was on the staff and then became the head coach. Um, but he did take over and was, uh, was always lauded for the success that he had. And a school like Churchill, if you're not familiar with it, I mean, Kelvin, even when I was coming out of it, had 13, 14, 1,500 students. I think it might be pushing 2K now. There's a couple of other big, like Churchill was like 400. Um, you know, they had a French program. They had an English program. I mean, it really was all, all hands on deck. The roster was way smaller, and yet they were always competitive, or for the most part, really competitive. And, you know, he got tons of credit for that. Um, and obviously, at the same time, um, from what he has been charged with was creating inappropriate relationships and then preying on some of the um, young players of his football team. So it's a horrible way to start off the program. Um, but certainly with this just breaking in the last hour, this is something that is going to have uh, incredible ripple effects throughout this community. Never mind, you know, the high school football uh, scene and the program over at Vincent Massey. Uh, but thoughts with the victims right now. And again, 
Um, this does seem and does sound like it is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, the bravery of the five young people that have come forward with this deserve to be commended. And I think their strength might help others uh, that potentially would have been preyed on um, by the accused in this case. So um, I'm sure we will do a segment on this coming forward. I mean, obviously, we're normally talking Jets and stuff with Jeff, but he's really become an incredible resource and an expert, frankly, on all of this. Um, he was pretty rattled today when I talked to him, just getting all this information. It's like going through everything again with what he'd done over those three years. Uh, but thoughts right now with everyone that's been affected by this, and there will be so many more victims than, uh, or people that are sort of victimized by the situation in addition to the brave ones that have come forward. So um, wanted to get that out of the way, well, not out of the way, but address that right off the bat because that, you know, the importance of that story will dwarf everything else that we're talking about. Uh, the storm's going to come and go. People will deal with that. The Jets game, the bomb coming bomber season. This affects lives. And um, so anyways, I wanted to get that off right away. Uh, but, you know, I mean, uh, terrible, terrible revelations today. And this is something that uh, we're just scratching the surface, it seems, um, you know, from what we've got from uh, Winnipeg Police Services uh, coming up uh, coming up later on. We will talk football with Eddie Tate, Remo, and uh, just to, you know, to some way move on from a very serious topic back to the toy department. Um, again, we'll spend quite a bit of time talking hockey later on. Well, it was a wild night last night in the National Hockey League. Uh, but perfect timing for the Bombers. Uh, announce a couple signings, including Janarian Grant coming back to the club just in time for Eddie to join us on the program. Yeah, I think that was one of the questions. Uh, special teams, who was going to be the kicker and who was going to be the returner? And Janarian Grant, um, you know, he's injured for a lot of last year, but when he came back, he made plays, and you definitely saw that um, in the Grey Cup as well. So that is a big signing. Uh, they also signed Lucky, uh, Lucky Jackson, a, oh, a, a receiver. A different yeah, Lucky. A different thing. Lucky, Lucky Jack, receiver. So they put out the release today, American receiver, four seasons at uh, Western Kentucky. So, um, you know, I guess maybe they're trying to find the next Kenny Lawler here as he departed for the big dollars. Or, you know, maybe the next <laughs> Lucky Whitehead, if you want to use the same name. But uh, that, I don't, that could be interesting as well. You know, the Bombers were supposed to have a bunch of events this week, too, Huss. They are going to announce a new alternate jersey, but of course, like... I'm hoping Ed comes on the program wearing the alternate yeah. jersey, and it's a very subtle tease to uh, let everyone know what it is because they couldn't have their gathering at Club Regent this week. Yeah, so um, they had to postpone those, just like everything else has been. So um, I'm curious what it's going to be, uh, the alternate jersey. I do think the Bombers have some of the best in the CFL. Mm. Um, I'm curious what the uh, what the next one will be, but yeah, they had a bunch of events they were planning canceled. So the bomber, you know, we're like, it's hard to believe looking outside, but we're a month away from training camp opening, and I am I'm getting pumped up here. You know, with the Jets season winding down, we will have some bombers talk, and yes, looking for the three peat this year. Yeah, so anyways, Eddie Tate's coming up. I always love catching up with Ed on a number of topics, so we'll do that in just a few minutes when he joins us. And then Murat Atesh, um, you know, get Murat's thoughts on the last couple games. Uh, and now the Jets in Florida with this game canceled tonight. And Reem, I know we talked about this on the program yesterday. I sent out a few texts to members of the Winnipeg Jets traveling party yesterday uh, once we found out that they picked up and uh, got the heck out of here before this storm came. And the entire line of questioning was just how 
the negotiations went with the respective significant others when they had to inform their better halves and families that in fact they are not leaving on Thursday. They got to leave right now. Uh, don't worry. There's gas in the generator. There's a charger over there. Good luck with everything. We're off to Florida. <laughs> and uh, I can't confirm there was some, uh, some short conversation, but what the heck jets had to do it. They got there to Florida, no game tonight. They'll enjoy a couple days uh, out of this weather and then get ready for this four game, uh, four game road trip. Um, but we do know uh, that uh, Mark Shifley still getting checked out. Um, doesn't look like, I guess, according to Paul Friesen, that Mark Shifley is with the team on the trip. Blake Wheeler is, we still really don't have much on Wheeler's injury other than it had happened, I believe, in the Detroit game, and you know he's been out ever since. He was, though, with the team uh, when they rode in Montreal and Ottawa last week. He is with the team again, but it uh, doesn't look like Mark Shifley's there right now. And certainly, I think the weather minimum would rule him out of the weekend, depending on when he could get there. But I think there's a good chance that Mark Shifley doesn't play this uh, this road trip. And if that's the case, you wonder whether we'll see 55 again this season. Yeah, that's a good question. We're all suspecting separated shoulder and now i'm not a doctor i have no idea it did kind of look look like that just the way he was hit and, and grabbed and grabbed it but yeah he's not on the trip and the jets you know they were off yesterday travel day they were supposed to play today against seattle uh, another day off we don't have any updates although they did tweet these uh pretty awesome pictures of them getting on the plane and you know people were noticing uh just found it interesting cole perfetti there yeah uh, with pierre luke dubois mm-hmm. uh I have no idea what this means. It could mean nothing. It could mean take something. your little brother to work day. Yeah, that's that was <laughs> the number one joke. Like. <laughs> it's Pierre Luc Dubois with his with his little brother with his son. <laughs> take take your pick, but um, we haven't really had any updates. I mean, we don't we don't know. But maybe he was just like, "Please get me out of here. I I can't be in Winnipeg during this weather. I need to go to Florida." And they said, "Yeah, we got a seat. Mm-hmm. Hop on. It could be something like that, or maybe he's closer than they're letting on." Yeah, well, listen, I, I don't think he is. Just, and just the simple fact, like, I don't expect that we'll see Cole Perfetti again this season because I think that if there was any possibility of him playing again this year, they would have loved for him to play in the Calder Cup playoffs. And we know that he wasn't on that clear day roster. So that was just the way I took it. Um, but listen, it would be great to see if Perfetti could get back into the lineup, especially right now with in Shifley's absence. I mean, if there was a way that Perfetti could get in and, um, you know, I mean, listen, you know, we've talked a lot about this and this is not a referendum on what the team is going to do or they should or should not move on from 55. Uh, but when you have a player like Cole Perfetti that projects into that top six role uh, and you're talking about potentially, you know, moving some key players, his ability to go- jump in there, um, you know, is obviously a huge, huge factor as well or and in what you would get back. So the more Cole Perfetti can play, the better even if it's these games at the end of the season. But to your point, I'm not holding my breath on any Perfetti at any point this season. Um, and to be honest, I have a feeling like we'll probably see Dave Lowry run out a very similar lineup um, to the team that played as well as they did against the Montreal Canadiens in the win on uh, Monday night before the very quick trip back to Winnipeg and then getting the hell out before the blizzard started. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Friday against Florida, you know, I think all eyes here are going to be on Morgan Barron looking for a repeat for repeat performance. We're following Kyle Connor, uh, his quest for 50 goals. Nikolai Ehlers, Ehlers trying to get the over for the goal total. We're He's so a close. Away. 
and and man, he had some chances. That damn Dikembe Montabo uh, <laughs> uh, for the Habs, you know, doing the no, no, no to uh, Ehlers and a number of Winnipeg Jets. I don't even know if we talked about how he robbed Adam Lowry uh, on that man. perfect pass from Zach Sanford. I mean, that was, Montabo was the exact opposite goaltender that he was when he was literally a human piece of Swiss cheese a few weeks ago on a Tuesday night when the Jets lit up the Habs for eight to eight goals. I mean, they did do a lot of great things yesterday. Unfortunately, we uh, could have used another goal or two for Nikolai Ehlers because, um, hey, this is going to be tough going into these next four games. That being said, I'm so excited about the way Morgan Barron seemed to fit with Stastny and Ehlers. I know they'll be playing a lot. Nikolai Ehlers should have a much better opportunity on the power play with some of the guys that are out right now. So maybe, just maybe... Mitch and the rest of the gang in the chat, along with myself, might be able to catch that over 28 and a half goal bet for Nikolai Ehlers, despite missing a quarter of the entire year. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to look at the playoff watch, Hustler, the Jets were at 0.5% chance to make the playoffs now, 0.4 around the league last night. Dallas uh, with a win, a uh, bunch of games there there yesterday. We did We did joke yesterday you know before we bring it in about toronto having trouble with with buffalo and uh there once again, again sabers they're a wagon watch out for buffalo man owen power making his debut uh they get the win 5-2 and i was joking who do you think toronto would rather play in the playoffs like boston or buffalo if buffalo <laughs> They're so lucky that Buffalo's not in the mix yeah, yeah. i mean imagine if buffalo's in the playoffs it could be a sweep uh it would be they'd be madness in toronto so, I mean, Jets winding down. They're heading to uh, Florida this weekend. And Tampa actually lost last night's shutout. Uh, shutout by Dallas. We'll see how the oh. Jets fare. Um, Late goal. It was 0-0 with five minutes left in the game. All the other lock shot picks had a big green check mark beside them. We just needed Tampa to get the job done. And they weren't able to score a goal. And Tampa, I mean, I think they lost five of their last six right now. Certainly not peaking at this point. But... I'll give John Cooper and his squad the benefit of the doubt. They seem to know what they're doing with those two rings on their hands from the last couple seasons. Uh, so I do expect them to be uh, be ready to go. But what's interesting, Remus, when you talk about that division in particular, um, you know, we mentioned that the Panthers have had such a great run. I mean, they're 110 points after their win. The Leafs are still at 100. But you've got Tampa and Boston, 95 and 96. Um, you know, Tampa could conceivably drop to fourth and actually cross over and play against the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round. Um, again, if you're Tampa, I don't think you really care who you play. Once you've done it a couple times, you know you're going to have to beat all these teams along the way to winning four rounds. Uh, but there is a lot of intrigue right now when it comes to who's playing who. However, there's pretty much no intrigue whatsoever when it comes to who's going to make the playoffs. And I got to give a shout out. Let me Let me find the tweet here. Dad was find Brown? the shout out. No, it was. I think it was Tony, and I think oh maybe he's deleted it. Anyways, he redid what the three point standings would be right now in the National Hockey League, and it was super close in the West. I think the Jets were like tied with Dallas. They were two points back of um, Vegas, uh, and you know you'd have three point games. These games would be so meaningful right now. And the full 60 minutes would be so meaningful with teams like the Jets pressing, potentially pulling their goalie in tied games to try to win in regulation and get that third point. Uh, but alas, 
the way things are set up right now for the NHL, we've known who's in the playoffs in the East for at least three months and um, not a ton. Well, a team like the Winnipeg Jets essentially out of it when, you know, maybe they would have something to play for if there was the ability to make up more ground when you're playing these games. A thought I've complained to Mark Chipman about this, Gary Bettman about this, every insider about this for over 10 years. So I don't know. I've sort of said my piece on it, but man, are they missing the boat? When it comes to uh, that, down goes Brown tweeted about this yesterday. He had an article. Is it a loser point or a bonus point using um, semantics? Pierre Lebrun, to your, his credit, has been on this and he's he an said, ally. He's an ally. He said he's been saying it forever. Um, it's the difference between winless streaks and losing streaks. The NHL isn't a win loss league, it's a points accumulation league. And he says go two or zero or go to three, two, one system. I think anyone can agree it is insane that this is a professional sports league where game regular regular season games some games are worth 3 points in the standings and some games are worth 2 points. That makes zero sense and I have been fantasy leagues that have better playoff system and better you know, better uh, yeah. what points distribution. Like, cause this yeah, is the Yahoo ridiculous. 2004 Roto Hockey was made more sense than the way the NHL is set up right now. And- as I said, we've been saying this for years and, um, you know, it's magnified when you have a team that, you know, is in the spot that the Jets are in and need to make up more ground. But it's also magnified when essentially you play half the season with the playoffs done in an entire conference. And that's been the case this year. And only hope that maybe what's happened this year gives them some pause for thought. Anyways, we'll ask Murata about that a little later on today on the program. Ed Tate's coming up in just a sec. Hey, big shout out and a thank you to our newest sponsor, our friends at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist who've been serving residential and commercial customers for over 75 years here in Winnipeg as the clear-cut leaders in the industry. Hey, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter, hell, maybe this week has done a number on your current one, give them a call. They have them all vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood Wallace & Wallace has the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Uh, 204-452-2700 is the number. Ben, Charles, Mark, and the Wallace experts will make an arrangement to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom over on Lawson Road off of Keniston. A uh, summer will get here at a certain point, folks. And uh, we've got weddings, we've got grads, we've got great events to get to again coming out of the pandemic. And F Apparel is the local leader in custom suits and clothing for men. More than just suits, though, including untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that looks that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just 400 bucks. And they are the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you've got a big event coming up and you need to look great, F is there for you. Wedding parties, 15% off when the group buys their suits from you, as well as a great promotion going on right now for high school seniors who are graduating in the fall. Go see them at 190 Smith Street downtown or make an appointment at fapparel.com. And hey, I hope you stocked up on everything. And if you were smart, you stocked up over at Vita Health. 
who of course have Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices with many products exclusive to the Vita Health that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, they've got a great grab-and-go deli as well with delicious Vita Market salads, soups, and sandwiches. And you can get those at any of the seven Winnipeg locations. And they're very happy to tell you they've relaunched the website, fully shoppable now. So find out more on everything available at Vita Health. You can schedule a delivery with Instacart if, if you'd like as well. But it's waiting for you at Vita Health, myvita.ca, or one of their seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. All right, let's uh let's brighten up the mood and welcome in Eddie Tate from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Bluebombers.com. Um, Eddie, what's going on? How are you doing? How are you handling? I take this as a work from home day for yourself. Yeah, I'm in the Charleswood Bureau right now, as they say. Uh, it's going okay. I mean, this is like like everybody else. This is pretty. This is a kick in the nuts in a way, isn't it? It feels uh this is just. I I can't wait to fast forward to May 15th and the opening of main camp because uh, hopefully by then the snow will be melted. It's a it's a kick in the nuts followed by a perfectly executed stone cold stunner. I think. I mean, this is sort of a one two punch, and we're all yeah. days looking up, going, "What the hell is going on?" Well, I was going to come on. I was going to come on wearing this and saying <laughs> that I just came in from watching my wife shovel the driveway, but that's probably an old joke by now, right? <laughs> Matt, I was wondering if John Reyes was going to have any heat on Twitter this weekend. It's a huge, huge opportunity for John to continue the uh, hilarity of the uh, the original one and tell you what there's a lot of people looking for a cynthia reyes in their life right about now with all the, <laughs> all the snow that's coming but uh but i digress just quickly uh at the charleswood bureau how has it been so far today have you have you looked out inside or is it just whatever I'm not paying well, attention i'm staring outside right now and the snow just keeps piling up in front of my window um yeah it's um it's just look we all want to be outside. I got a new set of irons uh, for my birthday. I've been at the the driving range once, but it, I mean, I'm wondering if I'm even going to get to use them on when I see the weather like this. It's depressing. I like to get out and walk. I mean, who wants to walk on this now? It's just come on, you know. Another bad joke. This we feel like I feel like we're Chris Rock on stage, and Mother Nature has just walked up and slapped us. Like uh, Will Smith. Yeah, we're getting the Will Smith treatment on repeat yeah. right now, Eddie. There's go. no doubt about that. Well, listen, before we talk players, the signings, and upcoming training camp, let's talk about how, I mean, every organization right now has been affected. We were talking yesterday on the show about how this was supposed to be such a big week of hockey. Um, the Jets had a game tonight against the Kraken. The Ice started a two-game series tomorrow night against Regina. The Moose were supposed to play on Good Friday afternoon at 2. All those games are off right now. And it was a busy weekend for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You guys continue a uh, great offseason with so many community events and a number of things that had been planned by the organization sort of fell by the wayside. Give us an idea of what was supposed to happen and uh, where we go from here. Well, the commissioner is makes his uh, Randy's road trip was supposed to be in town yesterday, uh, so that always feels like spring when when he's in town to talk about that kind of stuff. And we were supposed to have our third jersey reveal tomorrow. That's been postponed as well. I, I've had a sneak peek at it. It's pretty cool. So those things get get spiked. And again, you, you know, we are going to have training camp. It is going the rookie camp's going to start on May tenth. It's just. Uh, uh, you know, how much snow might still be on the ground. I watched Valor practice for a little bit yesterday at IG Field, and 
the, the playing surface was all cleared. There were still some banks on the side. And, you know, you're watching it thinking, oh, boy, a couple more good days of melting and, and we'll be clear. But now it's like starting all over again. Well, you know what, just speaking of Valor for a minute, I mean, what must some of these international players be thinking right now? I, <laughs> I mean, well, it would be funny. I don't know what languages they're saying to each other, but man, if you had a good multilingual translator to get all the real truths being put forth by some of these uh, young men, they're probably going, what the hell have I got myself into? Yeah. Is this really yeah. happening? We have a guy from New Zealand, Moses Dyer, was our leading scorer, and I was talking to him recently, and I said, uh, you didn't sign up for this, did you? And he said, I feel like I've been lied to, and he <laughs> joked that, uh, uh, that he thought he signed with a, a team in Winnipeg, and maybe it was FC Antarctica or something, and he cracked that Antarctica's probably warmer right now. <laughs> Wouldn't it all be uh, wouldn't it all be surprised? Um, that being said, as far as the uh, the third jersey, um, I mean, we'll wait to see what it looks like. Although I was kind of hoping that you'd just show up wearing it today. That would have been a great reveal, Ed. Yeah. What do we know about it? Is this going to be something they wear a number of times a game? I mean, like, you know, for instance, the Jets, we know they've got the Heritage jersey. We knew they were wearing it for 14 times a year. Um, is this going to be prominent or is it going to be a special one night thing? How does that work? Yeah, from what I understand, and I could be wrong here, so I should be careful. I believe it's only going to be a, a special occasion kind of jersey. Look, the let's face it, the royal blues are so popular with fans <laughs> for the home. I don't want to. They broke. Don't fix that. it, right? <laughs> right. That's like Montreal Canadiens changing their jersey. That bugs me when they did that a few years ago and went with the blue. I mean, come on, uh, or the Yankees messing around, right? I, the royal blues to me are iconic. So, I, from what I understand, this would be a special occasion. Uh, jersey that I'm not sure how many times it might be worn this this uh, this year, Huss, but let's put it this way, at least once. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hey, by the way, Andrew Haleko, shout out to you, my friend. Thanks a lot for supporting the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk and welcome to the uh, the supporters. We'll get that mic for you and you can enjoy all the great emotes that Remus has put together for the, uh, for the chat. Uh, thanks very much, Andrew, for the support. So, Ed, all this stuff is off. I imagine that, you know, do, do you anticipate just rescheduling stuff or is it going to be done in a different way? I mean, I know there's not a lot of time and there was already Princess Auto Grey Cup Tour continues around. I mean, there still has been a lot of things going on uh, away from the quote-unquote field as um, the preparations for training camp ramp up. Yeah, I think it's everything's just got the word postponement in front of it right now. I don't think anything's been canceled. I, I think the commissioner will still make a a stop in Winnipeg and obviously we'll get to the we'll do a, the jersey reveal upright when uh, when things are normal again and we can you know get out and drive around without crashing into a snowbank so um I, I, you know that those timelines haven't been set yet i think everybody just wants to kind of get through the survival mode of this week and then we'll get to it you know i've been in the office a fair bit recently and it you know it's starting to heat up guys are in there the coaching staff is in there getting ready for the draft and you know, there's there's a, been a, a lot of discussions on some of the other things. I know they had a, a long session the other day talking about, you know, looking at different free agent kickers that they might bring in. So um, things are going to heat up. And I, again, we're just have to kind of uh, tread water here for a while and then and then things will start to, to be good. Uh, I, I'm hoping right sooner or later, we've got to <laughs> at least get some double digit temperatures to, to warm everything up here. Yeah, hopefully by training camp. Let's let's go. go with that. Um the work still does continue for Kyle Walters, who's had a very busy offseason, as has pretty much all of his contemporaries as CFL GMs. 
Uh, but Bomber fans got some great news, and I love the timing. We could talk about it just a couple hours ago. Announced the Janarian Grant. Um, just an incredibly versatile player, but specifically in the return game, back with the Bombers. Um, how long have they been working on this? And from your perspective, Ed, how big of a return is this for a guy that can make such a difference in uh, that third aspect of the game? Yeah, uh, he's been, well, he's been a free agent since mid-February. So I guess you could say they've been making calls even before that with him. Um, he's like a lot of guys when you're a specialist. I think he sniffed around down south to see if he might be able to get, you know, an NFL camp invite or might what might have been available for him down there. Um the Bombers just kept in, in contact with him, and when that window closed, they brought him back. He's Look, he's a dynamic return guy. You know, we saw in his very first game when he lit up Calgary there um, a couple of seasons ago that he can change a game. Um, you know, he got a bit banged up last year, but still put up good numbers. And, you know, you just don't want to have any, as everybody knows, you don't want to have any question marks back there when you've got a guy fielding punts and kickoffs, and you want someone that's dangerous, not just someone that – that hangs on to it. It's been a busy day. They also signed Lucky Jackson, uh, a receiver that put up really good numbers at Western Kentucky. And it's going to be that I keep writing about this, but that receiving battle in training camp is going to be kind of juicy because, you know, Kenny Lawler moved on and so did Darvin Adams. So there's a couple of openings there. You add Greg Ellingson, but often it's these new guys that come in that can really pop off the page. And um, there's some really interesting prospects that the, this coaching staff and scouting staff have signed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, lucky, you know, I'm just basically seeing what the release was today. I mean, uh, from uh, Western Kentucky, as you mentioned, um, and I mean, the list of guys that come as unheralded dudes from smaller schools to the Canadian football league. And as you mentioned, pop um, is long. And I'll say this, the bombers have a pretty darn good track record of um, this, this management group, at least, of identifying some diamonds in the rough and polishing them when they get north of the border. Um, but I, I imagine this has been a guy that's been on the radar for a little while, and uh, certainly uh, Kyle pretty excited, as well as uh, the coaching staff on the offensive side of the football to get another guy named Lucky in the hole in the fold. Yeah, <laughs> if this guy turns out as good as Lucky Whitehead, they'll be really happy. There's, it's interesting because I mean, lots of guys could put together good highlight tapes and and um, you know their resumes can really jump out at you. But you know they they're also going to have Blake Jackson, who was having a really good camp last year before he blew out his Achilles. They announced that Carl Nagadosi, who's six foot six, is coming back. He had a good camp last year and was on. What happened with him? I was going to ask you about him as well. I'll be honest. I saw yeah. that he was re-signed and I didn't really remember the name very much with the exception of camp. I mean, uh, what was his year like last uh, last year and um, how did it come to be that uh, he's getting another crack? Yeah, he spent all the year on the practice roster and I know that can be really frustrating uh, just to not play, but also financially for a guy, right? But uh, the, the, obviously they see something in him. He's a big target at 6'6". At the beginning of camp last year, he was one of the standouts and then other guys just sort of caught up to him. And then he's a guy that was really uh, hindered by no preseason games. Cause that's where you can lock down a job. And he, he just kind of plateaued a little bit. Other guys caught him and, and passed him, including Kelvin McKnight will be back too. So he's another guy. They signed Antonio Nunn, who's had a big year at, at the university of Buffalo and was in camp with uh, the Falcons last year. Dalton uh, Schoen, who was with uh, Kansas City Chiefs for a bit, and the Chargers, and from Kansas City, uh, Kansas State, uh, T.J. 
uh, Simmons, who you know was first signed by out of college, uh, out of high school by Alabama. So you got to be pretty good there, and, and finished up at West Virginia. And there's more to come, right? The, there's still a lot of bodies that are going to get named or signed before training camp that are going to make that position interesting. Well, all positions, but I just look at that one in particular because of the exodus exits of uh, of Lawler and Adams, and there's going to be starting jobs available. No doubt about it. Well. It's a perfect transition to what I was going to ask you about because I actually ran into DC and Alcatur a week ago. I was just catching up on the off season and, you know, it had been a little quieter after all those flurry of signings. And, um, you know, they said, hey, there's still lots of work to be done and there's mm-hmm. still a number of players. And we're kind of thinking back to the crowd, at especially at some specific positions like DB last year, of how many players came in. And you sort of realize that obviously there's some spots in the roster that are pretty much etched in stone but there are some other holes right now that still need to get guys in and some legitimate competition like we saw at db last year that turned out so well for the bombers with Nichols and alford winning those jobs yeah i mean look we still got uh, a, a ways to get to rookie camp but there's going to be a hundred guys probably in rookie camp and they'll slice that down over two or three days before main camp but you know, Andrew, Hare, look, we'll just rattle off the names. Andrew Harris is gone, as everybody knows. Kenny Lawler, Darvin Adams, Drew Desjardins signed with the New England Patriots. Um, Stole Richardson's gone to BC. Jonathan Congo to the Denver Broncos. DeAndre Alford signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, I think that's three defensive starters, maybe four on offense. Like, that's a lot of change for a team that's won back-to-back Grey Cups. But, um, you know... The the one positive is that Desjardins is the only Canadian starter. Congo is sort of a half Canadian starter because he rotated with Jake Thomas. So um, the scouting staff does a really good job of, get, of finding American guys, Ted Gavai and Danny McManus, and then and the scouting staff. And then they do such a wonderful job of finding Canadian talent. I'm not sure if anybody's going to be ready to step in right away, but it, you certainly sign or draft uh, depth guys and hope that they morph into starters. So there is going to be quite a bit of change to a team that has won back-to-back. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Ed, uh, fill us in on the draft. Do Bombers have all their picks for the most part? They have uh, all but their third-round pick, which they traded to BC for Sergio or Sergio Castillo. There's another guy. That, so they've lost him to Edmonton in free agency. So they picked nine I wrote this down, 9, 18, 38, 47, 56, 65, and 74. So they have seven of uh, eight picks in the eight-round draft. So um, last in each round because you're the Great Cup champs. That's how it works. But you're still going to get a, a top 10 player, right? So it, it should be interesting. Well, for sure. And what you know, what I uh, kind of intrigues me is the fact that, you know, a lot of times with championship teams, teams that have won back-to-back titles, I mean, it's not really as much about the draft. It's about the right now. You're looking at winning, you know, you know you've got a group going forward. But in the Canadian Football League, especially the way the Bombers have built this organization, the draft and hitting on these picks have been so integral to getting guys that have come in and performed as Canadians in, in some really, really key positions. And the fact that the Bombers are back-to-back champs, I don't think probably changes anything about the approach of the Winnipeg Football Club going into a selection day. No, you're right. And so here's an example. Desjardins, who they drafted, has signed with New England, as I said, and the leading contender to fill in at the left guard spot is Jeff Gray, who was a first-round draft pick a few years ago. Um, 
you know, Jonathan Kongbo, who rotated with uh, Jake Thomas, both draft picks. So some they'll probably draft a D, D lineman somewhere along the way. Um, I think their depth is a little bit impacted uh, along the offensive line because Liam Dobson, who was their first pick last year, a big ginormous uh, guard who played at Maine and then Texas State, has opted to go to the USFL, which kind of, that's a bit of a curveball. I don't think anybody thought he was going to go there, but he thought maybe that was a, a road to the NFL faster. I'm not sure if that's great advice, to be honest, but he would have been a, another guy that would have been right in the mix, and who knows what happens with that mm -hmm. league. Uh, I still think it's pretty goofy that they're playing all their games in, in one site, and you know who knows where that's going. So there's a guy that's sort of in limbo, but you're right, Huss, the draft is its massive. It's not just for... For finding, remember when and when uh, Kyle Walters and and Mike O'Shea first took over, when they had high draft picks, they needed those guys to start right away. So Suk Chung, Matthias Gosen, those guys needed to play right away because they had holes. And now they have holes, but they're more depth holes. Or they've got people ready, and uh, so we'll see what they do. But they're always so well prepared. You expect them to hit on uh, three or four of these picks at least would would make your roster. No doubt about it. Um, you mentioned kicking and potentially getting some yeah. free agent kickers in. I mean, like uh, you know, with Medlock long gone now and Castillo bringing the luchador mask to Northern Alberta, um, <laughs> you know, I guess Mark Leggio would still and Ali Mortada would still be in the mix. And I'm sure with the strong camp, um, the Bombers would love to have one of those guys that they already have be that guy. Um, but considering what happened last year. I don't think they'll take anything for granted. Is that safe to say? And that there will be some competition coming up for camp? Oh, absolutely. Um, I believe Coach O'Shea was at a kicking camp in the States uh, within the last month or so. So a bunch of free agent kickers to show up and NFL teams and CFL teams are there to see who stands out. So maybe there's somebody from there. There's guys that come out of college all the time. There's global punters and kickers too that they're, I know that they're looking at. So um you're right. When they traded for Sergio, and we saw in the Great Cup, when he came out there, there was a comfort level that was the same as, as Justin Medlock, right? There wasn't the, the concerns. And before that, you know, I think uh, as the season was rolling along and before that trade, and we saw the, you know, the struggles of Tyler Crepina, who's gone now, and then Mark Leggio and, and Ali Mertad. I mean, a lot of us were were watching every field goal kicker with our hands over our face, right? Just looking between our fingers and hoping it went through. So uh, Leggio has got a, he's got a strong leg and, and Ali Murtada was, is very consistent. He just consistently not. Yeah. Two feet, right. Yellow sticks, right. <laughs> it was, was bizarre. Cause he was straight, nailing straight. it every time. It was yeah. like almost a line, a, a yes. lining up or some sort of yeah. perception of the, 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 the goalpost and I mean listen they gave him some opportunities and it was cool that they kept him around yeah. and I'm sure both of those guys probably benefited from being around Sergio for those weeks that he was with the club and seeing what he did but as we said it was a luxury for the Bombers I mean they were destroying teams for the first three months of the season and it didn't matter if your kicker went it's one like for four uh, you know the difference was covering the spread by 10 as opposed to doing it by 16 or 17 but we knew Ed come playoff time when things really counted, those points off the boot of the field goal kicker were going to be massive. Castillo came through, and I'd imagine they would like to not have to worry about getting a Sergio Castillo around week 13 or 14 of the season this season. Yeah, so you're right. You could have made the case that Sergio Castillo 
could have been the MVP of the Great Cup, right? He had Absolutely. five field goals in that in those conditions. Uh, so what I expect is that, including uh, Legio and Murtado, they'll have at least two or three other kickers in rookie camp, I would imagine, or at least they'll take a look at some of these guys down on the States before they bring them in. But the, the fact of the matter is, uh, unless you're signing a veteran guy with a proven track record, this is going to be a question mark right into the first few weeks of the season, right? Because guys can go crazy uh, every day at the stadium or even in a preseason game, but when it really starts to matter, that's when or you need a guy to, to kick one with no time on the clock or the punt one, even the punting, right, to, to put one inside the 10-yard line when you need the field position. Um, those are the things that aren't really truly evaluated until the games matter. And so, uh, you know, it, it's going to be really, really a, a juicy storyline carrying over from last year um, for this for this club and into camp and into the start of the season. Ed Tate's with us from BlueBombers.com. Eddie, uh, before we go, and it's great to have you back on the show, can't wait to do this more and uh, more frequently as we get closer to the season. Um, Baller FC has kicked off and they're so much excited about Canada's men's national team making it to the uh, World Cup. Uh, been a weird couple of seasons for the CPL. We're hopefully mm-hmm. going to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And I think it caught some people off guard that the lads opened the season last weekend. Now, shout out to the CPL for knowing better than to schedule any games this early here in Winnipeg. I believe the home opener is the 1st of May. Um, but just quickly on uh, the opening game of the season, great start, held the lead late, and uh, sort of feels like they let a couple slip away with that late equalizer by FC Edmonton. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, look, uh, they were really devastated after the game on, I guess I should say match, that's the proper way, after the match on Sunday. And I talked to them yesterday, a few of the players, and they're trying to flush it, but that was a real, you know, talk about a kick in the, private parts that was certainly that for uh valor they needed about 10 more seconds of wasting time and you know how that's such an important thing in soccer just someone needed to kick one more out of bounds for it was just literally the last play of the game and a bicycle kick for the the tying goal and you go from uh, a road win which would have been massive to a, a road tie which is still important but now this Sunday, they're in, into Victoria to play Pacific FC, the defending champs. Then they go to Ottawa the week after before the home opener. This is a pretty good team. They're a little bit short staff right now because a couple of their international players still haven't got visas. Um, and one of their promising midfielders, uh, Matthew Catavolo, is with the Canadian men's under-20 team right now. Um, but it's, it, you know, it, it's it's really good soccer. Um and, you know, it wasn't the best start, but they still got a point in Edmonton. So we'll see what they look like, how they bounce back this Sunday in Victoria against Pacific FC. We had a chance to uh, meet and get to know the new head coach, Phil Dos Santos, a few weeks ago. How have you enjoyed dealing with the uh, the new sideline boss of the uh, of the club? Oh, Phillip's all business, right? I like him. He's, uh, uh, look, everybody like Rob Gale. He was kind of like the Pied Piper of soccer in this town for a oh, while. Oh, such everybody. a great guy. Yeah. Um, so it was unfortunate what happened to him last year. But Phillip's a good fit for this team right now, right? They need someone to 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 push all the right buttons to get this team into the playoffs. And uh, they fell one point shy last year. And uh, they've got a lot of the returning guys. He's used his connections to bring in some from some new faces too. They're really, I think they're pretty solid across the board. Um, and we'll see. I, again, I think Sunday's a real important bounce back game for them. 
And if they could uh, get some more points against Ottawa before coming home, there might be a little bit of a buzz about this team before their opener. Yeah, well, it's time to get in the trench on uh, the 1st of May and uh, get out and see this team. If you're uh, interested in, definitely check out Valor FC online for uh, information on ticket packages and the uh, same thing for the for the Bombers. And just quickly back to the Bombers on the way out, speaking of tickets, um, you know, we knew there's a, you know, a lot of competition for that sports entertainment dollar right now and everyone's in a different situation coming out of the pandemic. But I'll tell you what, I mean, as someone that, you know, wants all of our teams to succeed and the Bombers certainly deserving of the support from these last two uh, Grey Cup wins. Pretty awesome to hear the uh, season ticket support for the club coming off that second championship. I believe DC told me there was like 80 uh, 80 Pinnacle Club tickets left in the entire inventory right now. And so obviously people are stepping up and very excited to get back out to IG Field to see the champs try and run it back again. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, Those Pinnacle... Uh, tickets are a good sign or good indicator because those are the the heavier price points right those are are the the high rollers so to speak and they're on board and i know our corporate sponsors have been back on board and from what i was was told fairly recently i think our season ticket renewals in the 90 percentile somewhere so um that's only going to grow in the next few weeks providing we get rid of some of the snow I, i you know there's a there's a buzz about this team still it's a it's a good football team even with all the changes we were talking about a lot of the familiar faces back and a, a lot of the uh, stars are back. So it's always fun. And, and let's hope that uh, when those summer games are, are rocking at IG field, there's those snow banks in the corner of the field are long gone by then. <laughs> well, I won't, uh, I won't bet on anything at this point when it comes to that. Yeah. However, I will know it doesn't even matter if there's two feet of snow in June. That place is going to be full for the Bombers when they come back and try and get back on the field. Eddie, great to catch up again. Uh, enjoy a couple days. Lockdown again. And um, man, great work with Valor FC and Winnipeg Football Club. Can't wait to do this more again very soon with you as we get closer to Bomber training camp. Right on. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Take care. You're the best. There he is, Ed Tate. Check out all of his work over at bluebombers.com as well as match reports and more on Valor FC as well on the website. All right, Marat's coming up in just a second. Hey, I hope you got everything you needed to be shut down for a couple days. And of course, maybe number one on the list is water and water services. And uh, luckily for folks that have been taken care of by our friends at Culligan. They are uh, fine for the next little while. A few big jugs with their citywide delivery. Culligan, of course, have been the experts in all things water for your home or your business for over 65 years as a locally family-owned business in Winnipeg. You can see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Pop in and check out everything they've got, including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and those citywide water delivery services that I mentioned. Also, commercial and industrial water products and solutions for businesses of any size. You can give them a call at 204-694-5180 to talk to them about what your water needs are or find out more online at drinkculligan.com. Manitoba Battery. (laughs) Donnie and the guys, they've got their big farm sale on right now. And who knows, maybe there's some folks that normally would be working on the farm that are with us right now because of what's going on outside. Here's what you need to know. The annual battery farm sale is on right now until April 22 with group 31, 1100 cranking amp batteries on for 8750 Ford and Chevy half ton batteries for only 7950 
and 900 amp top post utility battery for 7250 just to name a few things you can take advantage of and for you folks in the rural areas phone orders are encouraged so we'll have it ready for you to come pick up at 1026 logan avenue and for everybody else that's in the city that's looking forward to working on the boat or uh, getting out on the water this year extended summer hours beginning next week post blizzard on april 18th they'll be open 8 a.m to 8 p.m so if you can't make it down during the day you can now go after work i know paul edmonds will be popping in getting ready for fishing season as well and of course they'll uh deliver to you same day if you order before 3 p.m and you'll save significantly more money than you would if you went to costco or canadian tire manitoba battery 1026 logan avenue same time and money with their guys and you can find out more online at manitobabattery.com and hey a big cheers to our friends over at royal sports i was talking to greg yesterday i know there's so much excitement about blue jays season a ton of blue jays gear in right now uh you might take a day to pop down and grab it uh and of course baseball season softball soccer royal sports is the headquarters so if you're getting ready for the season pop down to royal they'll take care of everything check out that new fitness department of course the massive hockey gear and all the new bikes coming in daily at the back Royal Sports is at 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. All right. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk will continue. Winnipeg Storm Talk at 2.30. Rob's Obs, one of my favorite weather follows, is going to give us a little update on what the hell is going on in and around southern Manitoba and what we should expect for the next 24 hours plus. But right now, let's welcome in our guy, Murata Tesh of The Athletic. Talk a little Jets and on his latest piece at the athletic marat how are you uh, how are you hanging in did you uh, did you get all your supplies you needed to be uh, shut down for a couple days you know i had a couple rounds of grocery trips um and the truth is the second time i went back just to see how crazy it was maybe it's a journalist in me or like the anthropologist in me i i needed to get like i thought everything is settled i'm gonna get some snacks that i like so i was gonna go get some lacochina chips that was my thing. That's going to be my comfort food throughout being buried in my house. And I went and I just kind of like took my camera out and like did the scan of the grocery store aisles. It's worse out there in the grocery stores than it was when the pandemic was a new thing. And I think we're going to be okay. I think How's we're going the, to be uh, okay. What was the toilet paper situation like? Was there any uh, Was there any people fighting in the toilet paper aisle over the, uh, the last <laughs> rack? I saw no gloves dropped. Um, I walked back. I walked down it just to see there. I don't think anything too bad was going on. Some shelves were empty. Some shelves were full. I had enough, right? This is, this is going to be a couple of days tops. Um, so I think we're going to be all right. Uh, Lacachina, absolutely veteran move. I can tell you that I made, I am bare. I think, well, I mean, I owned it yesterday. I don't think I had been to the grocery store since like the start of NFL season. I'm more <laughs> of a Sev guy, skip the dishes, uh, quick stop in at shoppers drug mart for diet Pepsi. But I did purchase a bag of Lacachina, which are the most elite of the elite nacho chips as well. Uh, anything else special for these few days that uh, are going to keep you going through in addition to that great sale on three for nine ninety nine you took advantage of? <laughs> I hear they're going to think we work. Actually, you know what? If you're out there and you work at Lacachina, can you just send us some? Because... <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, that's that's my comfort food. That's it. That's all. Like I I don't know, last night I I made a beef bolognese. I haven't made one of those. Nicely done. Yeah, what up, you know? Moroccan <laughs> cook. Um and so I think that's just going to be it. I don't think I have anything to um I mean, 
I, I wish I had a better take for you. Like Cheeto chips, that's me being a rebel. Yeah, I had a, uh, and I think I said this to to Dusty yesterday when I was on, but uh, the Donair pizza uh, is a, I think I got it one time. I'm not sure what I was doing at that time, but I was just, oh, maybe I'll try one of this. And I, th I thought it would suck. It was unbelievable. And now when I do make the odd run down that Safeway frozen food aisle, Donair pizza, sweet sauce instead of pizza sauce, it literally is like a Donair on a thin crust pizza. So uh there's my suggestion <laughs> if you're if you get back. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some hockey right now. Um, well, first off, what did you think about the games in Ottawa and Montreal? And right off the bat, how surprised were you when you heard that Connor Hellebuck was starting in the second game of those back to backs? Well, I mean, we are used to so much Connor Hellebuck. I mean, Eric Comrie's had a strong season, and, and I, I've come on here before and say, okay, you know, Eric Comrie will should start here or there, the other place. But I guess that Dave Lowry is sort of just at that point of, you know, until things are officially uh, done, Connor Hellebuck's going to get just about every game. It worked out well enough. I mean, there were some pretty strong performances overall from the team. Solid amount of desperation to get four points out of those two games. Um, this stretch ahead is probably the most difficult business, but the stretch behind still teaches us some things. Morgan Barron, probably an astute acquisition. Um, that was a nice little pickup and a little bump up. I thought Zach Zanford played some of his best hockey as a Jet. I honestly think despite all of his physical gifts, the play dies on a stick more than you'd like, you know? So I liked the idea that it was actually Morgan Barron that got the push and then got the results. And then Huss, just like, as a general lesson to take away, to see Dylan Sandberg have that success and Morgan Barron, et cetera, to watch Cole Perfetti have had that success with Connor and Dubois, to have seen Svech do it. To every time you have these two established stars and a third guy shows up or somebody ends up in a good situation, they perform well. And I think one of my biggest lessons from these last few games is that context and quality of line mates matter so much. I don't think we know what a lot of these guys are unless they're playing substantial minutes in inappropriate hmm. situations. No, it's a great point. Just back to Hellebuck for a minute. I'm sort of with you. And if you want to go with that, I mean, I I'm, I'm, guess I'm fine. And as Remus mentioned yesterday on the program, and I said, I said, if that was the case, where was Hellebuck against the Leafs after the game that he played against the Buffalo Sabres? It was just sort of a head scratcher. You just sort of assumed, okay, they've got these games identified for Eric Comrie and they've stuck to that plan. I would have been shocked if the plan originally was to go Hellebuck back to back against Ottawa and Montreal, but uh, they rolled him out. And uh, listen, to his credit, he was awesome in those games. I mean, especially in the Ottawa game where they really needed him. Um, and as far as Eric Comrie goes, I certainly don't want to, I'm not hanging that loss in Toronto on him by any means of it. I think any of them, maybe they just knew that that was going to be a real tough night for the goaltender and didn't want to put him through to it. But uh, it does seem like, you know, right now, I guess it's Hellebuck until they're mathematically out, or maybe he's just like, Hey, I'm the guy. Let me, let me keep going. I'm playing well. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of that. And actually to your point, I, I like maybe, and this is this is just thinking out loud, who knows, but maybe starting Comrie against Toronto and not getting the win, you know, not blaming him for it, but maybe that was a case of the coach putting his hand on the burner, burning it a little bit and being like, okay, not again, right? Like learning that lesson, whether it's the right lesson to take away from it or not, because Comrie's played so well this season, maybe it was an okay, well, we're going to split these, this didn't go well, not, not again kind of situation. I wonder if that has a little bit to do with it. Certainly, if you ex thought that Eric Comrie were injured or any other sorts of things like that, you'd have other goaltenders traveling with the team. So it really has to be some sort of strategic decision that was made in the coaching eyes. 
Uh, that being said, let's get back to kind of where you took this, and that is the young players. And, uh, I mean, the piece is up right now at The Athletic. The title is what we've learned about the path to playing time for Jets young players. Um, it, it's not a surprise that we're talking about this right now because I really do believe that is one of the few things that can really be gained by these final stretch of games for the Winnipeg Jets. A look into the future, opportunity for some young players. And I will tell you what, I mean, you mentioned the two names coming out of the last game, Morgan Barron and Dylan Sandberg, both really stepping up and showing that, you know, not only do they belong in the league, um, you know, I think are capable of maybe more than people thought. Why don't we start with Barron? I mean, a lot of credit goes to Stastny and, uh, and Ehlers. But I'll tell you what, they looked excited to play with him. He made the most of his opportunity and having a body that big, that physical, good on the boards, winning puck battles and being able to get his line mates the puck, I thought made that a very, very dangerous line. What were your thoughts? Yeah, exactly that. That's Morgan Barron coming as advertised. He is the prototypical third-line player on a good team when everything hits, right? Enough hands to do some damage in certain situations, but somebody who, if all goes well for the, I guess he's 23 years old, his development, he's going to be that ideal person who can play against just about anybody and have an impact because he wins those battles because he has that size. He's an intelligent player. At the AHL level, he's a dominant type player. And the particular skill set that he has, as far as it should translate to the NHL, you know, everything goes well. That's that. But then he makes those plays where that shot that he picks that corner on clearly uh, a, a rocket, then gives himself some confidence. He's making a step around a defenseman, doing a little bit of angle breaking on his way to setting up Paul Stastny for his goal. And it's a clear sign to me that, you know, there's a little bit more there. Are we going to get that two-point performance out of Morgan Barron every time he plays in the top six? I think that's tough to bet on. But it's nice to know that that, uh, that ability is there. It's nice to think that Winnipeg might get a chance to look at it again a little bit and again a little bit because the thing that Morgan Barron was missing in New York was opportunity. That was it. That was all. Every time he came up, Gerard Gallant didn't play him substantial minutes and, um, you know, buried him on the fourth line. And we've seen guys like Jansen Harkins play on the fourth line all year. Maybe he's a third line player. We're not sure. Give him second line minutes. He scores a couple of goals. And opportunity is so much in terms of sort of deciding what these guys can be. Um, I, I like him early. I actually have the acquisitions. Mason Appleton, I think I've liked the most. But Barron is, is a close number two. And then I, I would slot Sanford in behind that. Well, I'm glad you brought up Appleton. I mean, uh, you know, the first reaction was, wait, Appleton's coming back for only a fourth-round pick. He's an RFA, 900 grand. I think there's a real future for him playing alongside um, Adam Lowry as he was basically stapled to him for the entire season last year. But there was one play that stood out in the game, and we'll get to Sandberg in a minute, in that first period, of Appleton with a ferocious back check behind the play, laying all out, essentially diving with an extended stick to break up a pretty good scoring chance by the Montreal Canadiens. And to me, that one play exemplified exactly what I think the organization and the coaching staff is looking for, the players that are going out in these games that are wearing Winnipeg Jet jerseys. There's only so much to be gained in the standings. We joke that they need to win, what, 15 of their last 11 games. Obviously, that is not happening. But for players like Appleton, and I would say everybody on the squad, considering how disappointing this season is, I think it's a real, the onus is on these players to step up with real professional efforts, showing some pride in the jersey and in their teammates. And we certainly got that. Um, you know, maybe after a rough first period against Ottawa, they turned it around. But I thought that that full 60 minutes against 
the Montreal Canadiens was exactly what the organization hopes they can get for the rest of the season. And to be honest, probably scratching their head why they couldn't see more of that in the previous 73 games to get them in this situation. Yeah, I mean, they're they're playing with a real sense of pride and there's a sense that where was this? Where was this level of effort and intensity? Um, especially even the way that they came back against Colorado. I mean, what a period that was. What desperation from some of those star players. And you wonder, well, if that had been there all year, would we be talking about winning 15 of 11 or 8 or whatever it's going to be down the stretch? Absolutely not. Um, so that that's going to be something that is a big picture item. And then the little like the the narrow focus that you're talking about as well, I, I completely agree with. When a team struggles to meet expectations, which the Winnipeg Jets have, that is a fact. When that happens, the temptation is to th- to throw out players that do have quality that could contribute in better contexts. That's one situation that Winnipeg or a pitfall that Winnipeg would need to avoid. The other is they need to sort out exactly where some of the struggles have come from. I would argue that those types of effort plays like Mason Appleton demonstrated that he can make and is very good at making regularly. I think that's a really strong example of what uh, Winnipeg can do, what individuals on the Winnipeg Jets can do now that show that they will be part of the solution going forward. And I think that Mason Appleton is unique I mean, how many times this season have you seen that play where a Winnipeg Jets forward who was forechecking hard and was caught in the offensive zone makes it back and turns a puck over from the other team before the red line? You don't see that very often on these Winnipeg Jets. They might knock down pucks earlier on in the forecheck, but the structure and that back pressure hasn't been there. Mason Appleton's heart on that play. You love that. You love to see that. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think he's making a... um... You know, he, like many people, you hope will make a move that says, hey, especially guys that have come here recently. And, you know, who knows what the situation with Sanford is in. And I, I have probably seen enough that would say, oh, this is a guy you have to have back next year. But knowing what we've seen from Appleton in the past and the way he's playing right now and doing with Adam Lowry, who continues to lead by example each and every night, I think certainly possible. Positive. And listen, just quickly back to the Colorado game before we get to Dylan Sandberg. There's been so much talk about, you know, leadership on this team, the core, all of that. Um, You mentioned that play that Josh Morrissey made, you know, with an empty net on Friday night against Colorado, making the save, being key and turning the puck around and getting that tying goal. I think he's spoken after every game, or at least like four of the last five games, wins and losses. It's always Morrissey going out. You know, for all the talk about the leadership group and people having issues with captain or with Mark Shifley, I think Josh Morrissey is basically bearing the load of the entire group right now. And both with his play on the ice and how he's handling this very difficult point in the season, couldn't be more impressed with what Josh is doing uh, night in and night out. This is a phenomenal season from Josh Morrissey. And I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, at no point this season have you looked at Josh Morrissey and thought that he's come off his game. Even as far out of the playoff race as you think that the Jets have become, he's there in the third period leading the rush, trying to create from the blue line, jumping into the play. And there's a quickness to his game. There's an assertiveness that's been there all season. He revamped his training regiment, focusing on explosiveness last summer. Um, there's a lot of reasons why he had that success. But the mental side of the game where he has answered the bell every single time, where he continues to push against the long odds, I mean, that is leadership. That is absolutely leadership. And when we talk a little bit further down the lineup of guys like, well, Mason Appleton's an established NHLer, but he's not on that Josh Morrissey level. You're looking for signs that these guys will be part of the solution. I think you see that from Josh Morrissey every single shift, every single game. 
I want to, I do want to clarify, not clarify to you, but to folks who sometimes wonder why don't Blake, why doesn't Wheeler speak? Why doesn't Shifley speak? You know, sometimes it's simply that they're not asked for. That's on us. You know, sometimes it's Josh Morrissey had the best game and we look for the guys that have had good games. Sometimes it's a moment where, yes, you want leadership and letters to speak. And Josh Morrissey, is, I, I can't think of ever him saying no to that situation as well. So it's a mix of both. It's not always that we're asking for Blake every night and he's saying no to us necessarily or anything like that. No, no, like listen, that. listen, I, listen, the media is sick of asking for Blake. <laughs> I, like, I just have to say it. I mean... You know what? I mean, Hammer came on with both barrels loaded up, but I mean, he kind of hit it. I mean, Blake has had moments. And again, I've been very complimentary. and I've had his back, to be honest, like from the start of the season saying this is a guy that can still play. This is a guy that, you know, when, you know, with healthy is going on, can help this team win. And I've been very complimentary of the way he's played, particularly since the All-Star game and especially since moving off of Shifley's line. Wheeler's been getting it done, but I mean, the relationship between Wheeler and the media um, and even when things are going well, sometimes is so like walking on eggshells that I think that many of them just avoid those conversations. And, you know, Mark hasn't had much to say for a long time around here. And, you know, and part of that, you know, falls on Josh Morrissey's. But, yeah, you're exactly right. They're not getting a bunch of no's from those guys. It's just gotten to the point where you're exactly right. I think when the guys, you know, but they're on the road and you're only getting one or two players, they're looking for guys that are going to give them something that are going to help them with what they're writing about. And um, more often than not, it's not those guys. That's where I'm at. So yeah, no, for well said, sure. Actually, I, I, I agree with that. And the thing that I really like is it's, it's not just getting the opportunity to speak. It's what you do with it too. And Josh Morrissey has taken the opportunity and he's eloquently expressed whatever has needed to be expressed. Kyle Connor has been phenomenal with the media this year. I think he's really stepped forward in his maturity. Pierre-Luc Dubois' honesty um, has always been there. Paul Stastny, every time he gets behind that microphone and speaks, he's calmly, I was going to say spitting truths. I don't talk, but like calmly delivering things like that, even during tough situations. And yeah, so... Um, if there's frustration with the content that comes out of these guys' voices or, or, or mouths sometimes, I would understand not necessarily wanting to go back to that well again as well. Listen, these are the leaders on this team now. And I'm not saying that those other guys can't be, um, but Josh Morrissey, top of the list right now. Adam Lowry, absolutely. Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Paul Stastny. I mean, these are the guys, frankly, that have been the ones that have said what has had to have been said at times when they've had the opportunity to do it. And man, going back to Josh, I mean, the moment it's been interesting seeing him speak so frequently after these games. And I'm sure that he has been continually asked and he continues to do it because he's had such thoughtful um, answers to the questions that fans really want to know. But man, I mean, I think back to that game last Wednesday, a week ago, um, just after the last time we spoke and that absolute dud on home ice that really seemed like, I mean, if there wasn't an era finality yet around the hockey club, that was the night. And to hear Josh come up and being asked by Ken Wee what was said after the game, he said absolutely nothing. I mean, he's also speaking with a frank honesty that I think people really appreciate that we don't get often enough. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And there's this real sense of, there, there's been so many small examples of Josh Morrissey showing a real understanding of his role and and demonstrating respect i would say i i remember during the zoom era there was a point where he was responding to every question by using the reporter's name and pronouncing it correctly where uh, where sometimes it's a challenge kind of deal as well um and there are times when he's followed up with reporters after scrums to give um you know more context on things the 
the difficulty of this season and the way that he stepped up and, and sort of spoken, I, I, I have nothing but admiration, I would say, for, for the way that he handles himself in those contexts because it's easy to go out there and fire off a bunch of jokes when you've just scored a hat trick and everything's going well and you've rattled off five wins in a row. But to come out there during a difficult context, be a human being, don't like manage not to take the questions personally, open them up, be three-dimensional about that, that's difficult. And I don't begrudge anybody who struggles with that, but to excel at it is a uniquely emotionally intelligent thing. And I think you see that from him. You see that from Paul Stastny, Nikolai Ehlers, Cal Connor, the na- the list of names that you gave. You really do see that. And a lot of those guys are 24, 25, 26 years old, um, which is interesting to me because that's not supposed to be old enough to be the, the absolute core of the leadership group. But I think it is. I think these are the guys who Winnipeg's success is going to be built around. Well, and I think that, that the organizations move that way as well. And I mean, I kind of brought this up. We've mentioned it for the last couple of days. Some people don't think much of it. I do because I know what goes into the decisions of who the organization puts forth, especially in maybe the most crucial offseason that they've had at any point since returning here. Uh, but I, mean, I don't know if you were flicking around on Instagram or on Twitter on the weekend, but there were all these ads for the new season ticket membership. and. You know, and, and you know, it was nice to see the players, you know, kind of take a role and hey fans, it'll be around. Who was it? It was Pierre Luc Dubois, it was Nikolai Ehlers, it was Josh Morrissey, and it was Kyle Connor. And I don't know if you could show an example of anything that has been an important part of Jets promotional material or a message from the organization that has not had Mark Scheifele or Blake Wheeler in it for a very, very long time. And listen, we're seeing that sort of turnover right now and that change how quickly it happens and what this team looks like, you know, next year and the year after that, we will see. Um, but make no mistake about it. That is not just a, a, a random thing that happened. Um, anyways, we could talk about this all day. Let's talk about Dylan Sandberg because it's another big piece, uh, a part of your piece. And my God, we spent so much time talking about Logan Stanley, Vili Hainala. Um, you know, Sandberg was sort of forgotten at the beginning of the season due to the injury, but my God, every time he's stepped into the lineup, Marat, he has looked like he is more than capable of playing regular, consistent minutes and providing, first and foremost, the steady defensive game that I think a Winnipeg Jets head coach is looking for in their player. How have you seen it? Exactly the same way. I have been so impressed with Dylan Sandberg and you had Scott Wheeler on last week talking about Winnipeg Jets prospects. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Like that, I, I shared that. I, I just encourage everybody to listen to that and listen to it again. You know, that there's so much good stuff there. Um, and we've been talking about prospects for a while. I write an annual top prospects uh, piece at the, uh, at the Athletic. And Dylan Sandberg has routinely been above Logan Stanley on our lists because not out of a shot at Logan Stanley, but because there's not only that sense that at his best, he can be a defensively strong player, probably a defensively stronger player, I would say, to be honest. But there's also this quiet dynamism about him. If you look at his game in transition, it's not just the fact that he can shut down a player, kill a play on, on the defensive side. It's the fact that he can get the puck going and if he needs to hold on to it to wait a beat to make something open up, he has the confidence to do that. Um, if it's just getting that stretch pass out or if it's jumping in from the blue line, he has a little bit of everything. I don't see a top pairing in Dylan Sandberg's future or a power play or anything like that. But as a guy who can really genuinely affect the game at five on five, I think that we're starting to see signs that that could be his trajectory in the NHL. 
And I just feel so bad for the guy going back to training camp. He already knew, probably looking at the depth chart, he could have the camp of his life and not crack the top six, right? Veterans had been brought in, and even Logan Stanley was above him. Nathan Beaulieu was still around, all that sort of stuff. And then he has that, um, I believe, ankle injury. And that's just so tough. But to go from that to having the season that he's had, and the next time we see him, he has the impact that he has, that speaks a lot to his ability and also to the work that he put in and the focus that he's put in in terms of getting himself ready to seize the next opportunity when it does come. Yeah, and um, he's certainly doing that. I mean, that was, you know, coming out of it, the effort performance, the 60-minute, you know, game that the Jets played, and the, I don't want to say breakout nights, but the uh, starring roles of both Sandberg and Morgan Barron, I think made that a very, very good night for the Winnipeg Jets in a, you know, a time that is not, um, you know, that people haven't been enjoying. But, I mean, you have to look for some positives. You have to get something out of these games, and I think both those players... Uh, definitely provided it. How do you see things going with Sandberg for by the end of the year? I mean, listen, I don't think there's much of an argument that he doesn't belong in the lineup right now. Um, do they just ride him out for the rest of the rest of the stretch? Do they get Logan Stanley in there? Do you think at some point they might rest a veteran or two to get these guys in? And at what point do you want to have Sandberg back with the Moose to get ready to you know compete for a Calder Cup in a very important role in the AHL squad? I mean, those are the big questions, and we haven't even named Ville Hainala, who I gather will probably stay with the Moose and get ready for that Calder Cup run. Um, to to time it right, I, I really think the most important date on Dylan Sandberg's calendar would still be the start of Calder Cup playoffs or Manitoba's preparations for that. But other than that, uh, the, the lease should be completely, completely long, you know? I just think about his impact on Brendan Dillon of late. If you look at Brendan Dillon's season-long stats playing with Neil Pionk, um, and then look at the stability that these two have been able to find together, playing against Colorado even, which is one of the most difficult matchups that you can get, and to see to see them have success. I mean, this is, to use your word, like he belongs. And I think that going forward, figuring out who is capable of what is the most important thing. So even for me personally, if that means Logan Stanley doesn't play a whole lot down the stretch, that's okay. Even better would be if veterans uh, get nights off from time to time, especially if they're banged up. And we note that, you know, Sandberg is up on an emergency recall. Ville Hainala was was an emergency recall before that, which indicates probably that somebody is close, is on that threshold um, of uh, of banged up to the point where it would be reasonable to come out for a game or two. If that guy exists, I mean, the moment that you're willing to convince yourself the playoffs are not a reality, those those guys should sit and the and the youth should play. Well, and we'll see how, at what point these sort of. Um go down that route. Bottom line is, though, I fully expect to see Dylan Sandberg. Would have been nice to see him in a home game, but uh, we'll have to wait for uh, May 1st for that game and, of course, this uh, road trip to finish up. Murata Tesh is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Check out his latest piece in The Athletic talking about um, what we've learned about the path to playing time for Jets young players. Just quickly, I've got a couple other things I want to hit you with, but in synopsis, I mean, people can read the entire thing, um, but there are questions and I mean, this is not anything new. I mean, Billy Hanel has probably been the number one guy that's taken up the most oxygen when we've talking about young players, are they ready where they should play? Um, sometimes you see a guy like Dylan Sandberg that has really matured, both being a little bit older, playing longer in college, now coming, being really ready. Um, as opposed to Billy, who at times has looked like he absolutely belongs. And at other times seemed like 
oh, geez, maybe he's not quite ready yet. I mean, can we deduce anything from the last couple months with the struggles of Stanley, Christian Veselainen's season so far this year, Billy Hainala, and now what we've seen from Dylan Sandberg when he's had, once he's had a chance to play regular minutes? Yeah, I, I think I would look for, I would probably take those guys one at a time. Christian Veselainen, for me, to be honest, it never made sense that he got that third line spot handed to him right off, right out of camp. I think that that was a mistake based on size and previous projections. None of my offseason pieces would have put him in that role. We've talked about David Gustafson. There was a possibility of, you know, had Riley Nash worked out as a better veteran player. There were other potential uh, players that had probably done more in the sort of role you would imagine for that spot. Um, and so they committed a lot of time to finding out probably that Christian Veselainen is not going to be an impact player in that in that regard. Uh, and maybe useful bottom six player is a nice new ceiling for him as opposed to that incredible scorer that we've seen him be. Um, unless there's a matter of teaching or coaching or time that you can uh, that you can bring that out of him in the future. But I think that they put a lot of time into learning the lesson that he could not impact in that role. I don't think they put very much time at all into learning the Ville Hainala lesson or the Dylan Sandberg lesson um, so far. And with Ville Hainala, I agree with you. There have been moments right from his first shift uh, of this season where he's looked in, not ready for the moment, unprepared for the moment. Is that the Panthers game? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the nerves of it. Just the nerves of it. And And you can believe the criticism and you can see that a player who is so good at with the puck, so intelligent, um, so good in transition at the AHL level, everything runs through the guy. Well, if he doesn't have any confidence with that at the NHL level, that's an issue. So I can believe the criticisms. Then you see the stretches of play where he's not only doing that, but he's tough to play against in his own end. And you see big players easily get spun off of by opposing forwards. And Villahanel is tight to them. His gap is good. He's chippier than you'd expect for a guy at his size. And he has that transition game and confidence. So. I guess my takeaway, Huss, is that there have to be conscientious times where the NHL is, in fact, thought of as slightly a developmental league for the right teams in the right situations. You go back. I've harped on this a lot, but I'll say it again. The last couple of seasons before this one are a little bit different and a little bit more curious to me than this season in terms of how these young D have been handled. But when you have pending unrestricted free agents who are not part of the long-term solution, Lucas Spiza, Anthony Batetto, Nathan Beaulieu, Tucker Pullman, uh, Carl Dahlstrom was part of a trade. All of these deaf defenders uh, who, in a perfect scenario, uh, hit their potential, are still not impact players on the Winnipeg Jets and are free agents, and they're getting minutes that Ville Hainala and previous uh, versions of young defensemen don't get during seasons that are tough for the team. That's a mistake. That is cost and lost development. This season, the defense core has been better, and I get the idea of that Manitoba team is really competitive. There's lots of opportunity to grow and mature there, play all of those sorts of minutes as well. I don't consider, even though they're all one year older, I don't consider this year quite as disastrous as the last two had been. Oh, great stuff. Folks, check out the piece in The Athletic and uh, make sure you're subscribed for all of Marat's great content over there. Before we go, and I save this for the end, um, it was not lost upon many people that the Jets played the way they did on Monday against Montreal, and there was no Mark Shifley in the lineup and no Blake Wheeler. They're 5-0 and now in this circumstance. It, very small sample size. Is that a statistical anomaly, 
or is there a non-analytic part to guys stepping up in the place of guys that have had those spots and roles that we've seen so far at this time? I mean, is there anything to it or is that just a weird number that comes out sometimes when top guys are out? Well, I kind of want to talk at it from both angles because you see this sort of stuff like home road splits, goal differential by period, uh, rec- a team's record when they play on Tuesday. What about Sunday afternoon? And you see all these sorts of things get put forward on broadcasts. And really what that is, is it's trivia. It's not statistics. It's interesting information. It's not something that makes you that gives you insight. I mean, is a team more likely to have success on a second period power play on a Sunday afternoon because they've done it in the past. That stuff's random. Like that, that's, there's so much of that that goes on in the NHL. And any five game sample, even in this situation where, whoa, it's Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And yes, we know that they're very serious guys. And we wonder about their impact on the tension in the locker room and all those sorts of things. Five games is still a nothing sample, no matter how definitive five and oh looks. Um, so from an, an analytical perspective, I look at that and I'm like, okay, let, like, let's, let's pump the brakes on it. But at the same time, let me put that side of myself away. And there is a sense when you watch the Winnipeg Jets that there are some players who perform far better in positions of, I want to say, comfort. I look at that Evgeny Svechnikov goal uh, where he pulls the puck out of his feet, that wrist shot that's just so artfully delivered. And all year we've talked about, well, should Svech be the guy on that line with Connor and Dubois? And I say, well, you know, he's the passenger on that line. He's the third wheel. And there are sometimes you can watch him defer to those guys. And he looks pretty bad when he does defer. And then when he's assertive, it looks like he's a very good player. Well, that goal was pure assertive nature from Svechnikov. That's a confident play. It's a confident move. Winnipeg gets a goal out of that. That contributes to the win. And so then the, the human being in me is looking for other scenarios where young guys may feel the same way. Like, is there a sense of freedom that even if it's not because Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler are monsters, but just that bump up in the lineup to a level where they can get the uh, get the minutes and the quality line mates that are going to lead to that kind of success as well. So I'm not taking it as a sign that there's something horribly, evilly gone wrong with Shifley and Wheeler, but I am taking it as a sign that there are players on the Winnipeg Jets who could do more than Winnipeg gets out of them. And this constant top six, bottom six mentality we've seen on the Jets for the last several seasons where guys like Shifley and Wheeler lead minutes in just about all scenarios, depending on what's going on. Wheeler more than Ehlers, more than all the rest. That's where I think Winnipeg's lesson should be. I think the lesson is wait a second, it's not just those guys who can contribute. And maybe there are contexts in which their minutes should come back and other guys' minutes can go up and there can be more integration of the so-called skilled guys in bottom six because there are other people who can contribute. That's where I'm sitting on this. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that. listen, there's lots of interesting topics right now. We'll have plenty of time to kick them around and I think huge questions going into the offseason. And certainly those two players are a big part of those conversations. Marat, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, hunker down. Uh, you got anything else coming up or just sort of we're going to wait till uh, the uh, team gets this thing going on uh, on uh, Friday? Plus, I keep waiting for the time that I can tell you the thing. I've been working on a story for uh, a month and a half. And oh, that'll be good then. That'll be good. <laughs> I have there's a lot of emotions that go into it. Like I've gotten emotional over it. The, the Jets player who has, who it is about 
uh, has shared a lot of really valuable stuff. There's some, I've never said this before moments in it. There's the, and I submitted my first draft a couple days ago, thought that maybe I'd be talking about it coming up, but it's just going to get some massaging and some tweaks. I just, I'm going a little bit batty because I want, I want it out there in the world, but I, I still have some work to do. So maybe by next Wednesday, we can, we can be talking about well, something. Well, I'll tell you what, me of. and uh, everyone in the chat will be looking forward to it. Uh, be well, stay safe, hunker down, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Right on. Thanks, Hustler. Great stuff. There is Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Hey, we're going to do some Winnipeg sports uh, storm talk coming up in just a second. Yeah, no golf this week for all of us, but when the season does get going, cannot wait to get out of Breezy Bend. If you are thinking about a new home, golfing home for you and your family, no better place than Breezy Bend, just west of the city, out in Headingley. BreezyBend.ca is the website for all information on all of their programs, as well as an amazing place to host a wedding, breezyben.ca. Our friends at Not Auto Corp, um, well, probably not too pleased with what's happening today. Shout out to everyone that made it into work. Uh, but we will get into summer and a lot of people thinking about maybe going electric. And of course, they've got the Tesla experience right now to teach you and help you learn everything about a switch from a traditional to an electric car. Find out more about that at not. And uh, whether you're looking for a traditional or an electric vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams? Over with our friends at Not Auto Corp at an incredible price. Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. I have a feeling there'll be many 1919s consumed within the comforts of one's own home. If you were smart enough to hit the beer store yesterday, you're good to go. Um, you can find out whether they'll be delivering on Friday or Saturday at Little Brown Jug. Uh, but wherever you get beers, make sure to get Winnipeg's finest Little Brown Jug featuring the famous 1919. William Avenue's The Tap Room and you can find them online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, looking forward to this next segment. Remo, if you want to give Rob's OBS a call, um, we are switching from Winnipeg Sports Talk to Winnipeg Storm Talk for a little bit. We figured that with everyone dealing with this, we'd go to one of the best around, and that is Rob Paul, a retired Environment Canada meteorologist. He runs the account Rob's OBS. And um, he's done some great work predicting this storm. And we figured we'd get him on just for a couple minutes to find out what's happened so far, where has been impacted the most, and what we are into, uh, what we're up against in the next 24 to 36 hours. While we get Rob on the horn, for everyone that's with us live in chat, we'd love to hear where you are, um, especially for people outside of the city looking at you, Kabilis. Give us a bit of an idea about what things are looking like in the chat right now. Hello. Rob. Hello. Yes. Hey, it's Andrew Patterson from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks so much for doing this. Hi, you're welcome, Andrew. Oh, this is great. So, folks, uh, we're live on Winnipeg Storm Talk now. We've changed the name for a few minutes to Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got Rob Paula, who runs Rob's OBS, a longtime weather expert. And, uh, Rob, I mean, for about a week, you'd been talking that this is going to be a not maybe not just a big one, but the big one for a while. Um, how did take us back to last week, if you could, and fill us in on now what were these models showing you and why this massive storm was coming to where we're at right now in southern Manitoba at this point in the year? Well, uh, yeah, last week, uh, long-range weather models were, were hinting of a development of a, 
a significant uh, Colorado low, which we all know and love in uh, southern Manitoba. We know what they can bring. Um, but uh, they were quite consistent in developing this uh, strong system uh, out of Colorado and moving it into the Dakotas and Minnesota. Um, and it looked like there was going to be a prolonged event. Uh, and at this time of year, when you get a Colorado low with a lot of moisture that can feed into it and still cold air on the backside, that can um, uh, translate into a lot of heavy snow, uh, which we're, we're experiencing right now. So uh, it was kind of, you know, a combination of knowing that uh, these long-range models were uh, quite robust on indicating the potential development of the storm and knowing from uh, previous years that uh, when you get Colorado lows, uh, at this time of year in spring, March and April, uh, they can bring some uh, significant uh, snowfalls and uh, intense weather for southern Manitoba. It was interesting seeing yourself and Scott Kaler and a number of the uh, experts on uh, social media that do such a great job of following these things over the course of the few days leading up. I mean, often, you know, we'll find out what was we thought five days ago was significantly different three days in and um, but it did seem like most of these models were in agreement for the better part of the last week. And uh, uh, it's all seemingly coming to fruition as we uh, sit here right now. That's right. And that gives you more confidence when you have, it, there are a number of uh, different models. I don't know if people know this, but it's not just one weather model that we look at. Um, uh, the uh, England, uh, the uh, European Union has a weather model. Uh, United States has their weather model. Canada has theirs. Uh, and we have access to all those models that uh, we can look at. And when um, all the models uh, are, are kind of agreeing on the same story uh, several days in advance, that gives you a little more confidence that, uh, yes, something big is brewing. Um, the trouble is uh, it comes to the details, depending on exactly where that track will be. That can be off by 100 or 200 miles. That can mean a, a major difference between you getting heavy snow or rain. Um, but it does highlight the potential of a big storm coming to impact your area. And then as you get closer to the event, you can kind of zero in on what the impacts will be at a more local level. Now, Rob, as we got closer to last night when everyone was expecting that we would be inundated with this beast, um, it did seem like the snow started a bit later. What can you tell us about what happened last night with the uh, slow nature of this uh, storm creeping in? Um, and then what's happened so far today up until this point in southern Manitoba, but specifically the greater Winnipeg area? Yeah, last night we were tracking uh, the snowfall. It was uh, basically coming up through North Dakota. And uh, yesterday afternoon, Grand Forks got uh, absolutely nailed with a foot of snow in about six hours uh, yesterday afternoon. And that snow was uh, edging up towards the uh, Canadian border uh, last evening. But as it was uh, creeping up towards Winnipeg, uh, there was some drier air coming in from the north that kind of kept uh, postponing or delaying the onset of the snow in, in Winnipeg. So it took several hours last night before the snow finally made it in here. Uh, but once it did, it um, uh, started snowing more heavily uh, early this morning and it was very heavy uh, through, the, through the morning. We've had about 15 centimeters of snow now up to noon. Um, and that's... Uh, that's indicative of uh, the heavy snowfall rates uh, that we've seen in this first phase of the storm. 
Now, folks, uh, if you haven't already, make sure you give Rob a follow, a great weather resource. It's at Rob's Obs, R-O-B-S-O-B-S on Twitter. And, and Rob, we've heard about this dry slot that potentially was going to come over the city. And I know you tweeted just less than 10 minutes ago that it looks like the dry slot is starting to pivot right over Winnipeg. Uh, we do have some lighter snow, uh, but there might be a break in it. Fill us in on what is the dry slot, how it'll affect Winnipeg, and um, then what happens next. Okay, yeah, um, a lot of times with these storms, when they get wrapped up, uh, tightly wound up, you get this uh, area of stronger winds that punches up the cloud and, and clears it out uh, ahead of it. And that uh, drier area, which we call a dry slot, can sometimes punch quite a ways well north uh, into the storm. And we were seeing that coming up over the southern Red River Valley and up towards Winnipeg, Winnipeg this afternoon. Uh, it did push over the city. Our snowfall lightened up uh, compared to the rates that we were having this morning. But now we're seeing it kind of starting to pivot around and come that area of snow coming back to the south as the low starts to drift to the east. Uh, so we're kind of getting back in the wraparound of this system. So the snow should continue and that dry slot should be edging out uh, this afternoon um, uh, through the rest of the day. I'll ask you about uh, the rest of southern Manitoba in a second, but just keeping it here on Winnipeg, when this dry slot moves back down, um, it sort of seems like this storm that just passed us is going to essentially be pivoting and coming back towards us. Is that right? And uh, what should we expect in the Winnipeg area over the course of uh, the rest of this afternoon, tonight, and overnight into tomorrow? Yeah, this is a long-duration event. So we had this kind of first punch uh, uh, this morning, uh, with the first initial wave, uh, that's moving out this afternoon. But then a secondary part of the storm is going to be tracking up into northwestern Ontario and intensifying over there. And we're going to be on the back side of that. Uh, and that's going to bring another round of snow uh, over southern Manitoba and uh, Winnipeg uh, tonight and through all day uh, Thursday. So that's why uh, this thing is a kind of a long-duration event that we have to put up with until things finally start improving on Friday. Uh, it looks like we could see another 10 to 15 centimeters on top of what we've had already. So uh, storms fall totals by Friday morning, probably looking around 30 to 35 uh, in the Winnipeg area. Some areas west of Winnipeg in the higher terrain areas of Manitoba Escarpment and um, Riding Mountains could be seeing 50 or 60 centimeters out of this. So it's a significant um, uh, mid-April snowstorm uh, and certainly not the type of whiteout that... Uh, Winnipeggers were uh, looking forward to in April. <laughs> yeah, that is to say the least. We were hoping we'd be talking about a different Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg whiteout here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, but uh, it's just great to have you. Now, we saw, I mean, the images yesterday afternoon in Bismarck. I heard Hal Anderson talk to a guy in Minot today. Um, they said that they've had nearly two feet of snow already and looking at potentially another foot and a half. Um, I know we're sort of focused here on Winnipeg as the majority of our listeners and viewers are in the Winnipeg area, but we do have people all around the province in southern Manitoba, as well as people elsewhere thinking about friends and family in other areas. What can you tell us about what has happened so far in southern Manitoba and which areas have been hit the hardest? Well, uh, so far, as of noon, uh, it looks like uh, Morden area has picked up the most that I've seen. They're up to 30 centimeters as of noon. Um, and uh, that's kind of in that western Red River Valley where they're getting the uh, enhanced snowfall with uh, what we call upslope, where the winds come up the 
Manitoba escarpment and uh, enhances the precipitation through that area. So they've been uh, hit hard down through the uh, Morden, Winkler, Treehorn areas. Uh, Brandon this morning, uh, down to one-eighth of a mile with uh, blizzard conditions all throughout southwest Manitoba. Uh, so kind of western Red River Valley and southwest Manitoba uh, looking at uh, the really sh- stronger impacts from this storm. We had a bit of a break here in uh, the Red River Valley in southeast Manitoba, but again, additionally, more snow expected uh, tonight and into tomorrow on the back edge of the storm. Uh, what are you and the rest of the exports going to be looking for over the next few hours? I mean, is it pretty much a done deal? We know exactly how this is working, or is there still you know wobbles, moves that could affect, for instance, the amount of snow we get in the city or some other areas to put up uh, numbers that we didn't expect? Yeah, it. Uh, when you get a system like this, it all depends on, um, you know, some some of these the systems can have localized areas of uh, heavier snowfall bands. And if you get on one of those, you can pick up, you know, three to five centimeters an hour, and that can really pile up. So uh, right now for this afternoon, I'm just looking for this dry slot kind of to fill in and move, move uh, back out. Uh, and we start getting back into the snow this afternoon. And it's tonight, uh, like, as I mentioned, uh, we're looking at another 10 to 15, but if you can get under some heavier band for a while, uh, you could be looking at higher rates than that. Uh, some areas could see up to 40 centimeters or so. So that's something to watch. Uh, but overall, um, you know, the storm is kind of tracking as we predicted. And uh, it's just a matter now of waiting to be a get on the backside and then this fine thing finally clear out uh, on Friday uh, so that we can start the cleanup. Rob Paulo runs the Twitter account Rob's Obs and is a weather expert and veteran helping us get through this uh, this storm. Rob, final question for you, and thanks again so much for your time. I know you're very busy right now. Um, is this it for us? Like, once we're done through Friday, is this it? Right, we did have someone in the chat suggest that he had heard somebody say that we could be in for a significant amount, amount of snow next week. Please tell us that this is over at the end of this all. <laughs> Uh, I would uh, love to say uh, that's it for the year, but um, it does look like there is another system coming next week, which which could give us another round of snow. I don't think it's going to be as heavy and and as significant as this one, Um, but uh, after the storm, we stay cold right through Easter weekend, uh, so there's not going to be much melting there. And then um, you have the potential for another system next week. After that, uh, I mean, we're getting to late April, and uh, our average temperatures are getting up to uh, 10 to 15 Celsius. So uh, we have to get back to a more normal pattern. And when we do, you're going to see a quick melt of the snow and then uh, temperatures getting back into the mid-teens. But we're unfortunately going to have to uh, just uh, delay it for another week or so before we can get into more spring-like temperatures. That never ends. The winter of 2022. Oh, my God. Rob, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, We'll keep on following all your tweets. Really appreciate everything you're doing for people trying to follow and, uh, of course, stay safe with their families during these crazy times. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. There is Rob Paula. Give him a follow on Twitter at Rob's Obs. All right, we got to get Remus back in here. Uh, Before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. Of course, we talked to Ed Tate earlier. Um, they've got the Princess Auto Grey Cup tours that have been going around. I know there's some city visits planned for the 23rd and 24th of April. That should not be affected right now. 
Um, but a number of Blue Bomber events this weekend did have to be put off. That being said, the season's coming up. Princess Auto, big sponsor of the Bombers. And we're looking forward to doing Bomber reports with Princess Auto all season long. And of course, Princess Auto is also the spot. You're seeing the snowblowers in the video right now. <laughs> Can't believe we're still dealing with this. Uh, but whether you need a snowblower or anything, you've got the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, I guess it depends on where you are if your BP is open. Uh, I wouldn't suggest that home delivery is um well listen if they're delivering they're able to get it to you it certainly would make the night a lot better uh bottom line is um a lot of people did uh, stocking up and they won't be getting out but as soon as this is done we'll be back at it moose games on the weekend they've moved to saturday and sunday and we'll be able to get back to our favorite local boston pizza in the meantime though uh check out online for all their great game day deals call your local location to see what the situation with bp is and maybe if the snow lets up, you'll be lucky enough to get some of those delicious Boston wings, pizzas, and more uh, tonight or very, very soon. Again, order online at bostonpizza.com. Nick and Nikki DQ, we're going to give Nick a hard time because we always love talking blizzards on this program. Not this kind of blizzard, though. Um, and, of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group with four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. I have your favorite Blizzard flavors and all six of the brand new Stack Burgers available for you. They are on all the local delivery apps for the three city locations. Again, we'll see how Skip's working tonight. I think many people might take a night off of trying to get these drivers around the city. Uh, but whenever you got the hankering, pop out, support a great supporter of ours, the Nick and Nicky DQ group at any of their locations. And hey, just before we get Remo back in here, I had a chat with a couple of my old friends from Aikens Lake last night. Uh, man, it's going to be great to get out there. Aikens is ready for their busiest season ever. Uh, but there is still room. Uh, May long weekend, one spot early in June, and a couple openings later on if you do want to get in and enjoy the incredible five-star fly-in fishing experience just a couple hours away from the city, which is Aikens Lake. An amazing family and friends trip to catch up with people that you've been FaceTiming with for a couple years or if you've been working remotely. What a great way to bring in associates from your own company, customers, and more on an incredible corporate getaway. Find out more at AikensLake.com or on Twitter. You can hit up our good friend Pitt Turan at Aikens Lake as well. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Pretty hot chat today. A lot of people that uh, I think maybe had the day off that maybe don't normally get in to see us. Remus hanging out. And uh, listen, always great stuff with Ed and Murat. Um, but I was particularly geeked to have Rob's OBS on today because uh, let's face it, everyone is talking about this nonstop we're dealing with right now. Uh, and he's such a great resource. Um, we had him on 1290 back and i want to say 2019 i can't remember what the circumstances were uh but um there is a lot of interest in this and if we can get a little bit of inside information uh, much like we do when we're trying to make our bets before uh, we get to the cool bet lines uh a guy like rob's obs a perfect guy to have on the program yeah just judging by the active viewers you know usually near the end of the show a lot of people drop off uh, i don't think anyone left they want to hear what's going on with this uh with the storm there's i see some storm uh deniers people maybe not believing the models and leaning Wizard into their truthers? own they're doing their own research us uh <laughs> saying it's not as not as bad as they're saying so 
Um, I mean, I was out this morning. I haven't looked outside. Seems pretty rough. Uh, I mean, I'm not thankfully. I don't have to go to work. Got all the all the milk I need for like the next month, so we're good to go. <laughs> Jeez, a month of milk doesn't that stuff go bad? That's what I hear. Um, hey, if you are new to the channel, though, I mean, I did tweet out that we were doing Winnipeg Storm Talk. We might have some new folks in here, folks. This is where we're at now. Winnipeg Sports Talk every day, one p.m. live on YouTube. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast feed, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, but if you're with us right now, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. You get notifications when we're live and, of course, able to watch shows after they happen as well. Um, usually we got the podcast out about 3.30 every day in time for the drive home. But if you are at the office or, you know, I have the opportunity to throw the computer or the iPad on, join us live every day right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Reem, the Marat was really, Marat's piece was really interesting. I'm very, very excited, though, about that piece that he sort of teased. Whenever it comes out, I mean, he's had, I just think back to that piece that he did about Johnny Kovacevic earlier and, uh, you know, the insight we got into his background and from everything that he just described with this player on the current Winnipeg Jets, this is going to be something that uh, I'm sure we'll have a great time talking about and most importantly reading. Yeah. What was that? Who is the player? So Hell many questions. What a, non. I don't enjoy those teases. Now I'm going to be here thinking about it, but I'm sure I'll forget about it immediately after the show. And when it pops up, I'll be like, that's what it was. And I'll be like, I need to read this. So I do subscribe to the athletic. I know they have a lot of uh, good deals worth it. I see a number of people in chat saying worth it just to read what he has to say. So I'm, I'm excited to see and wondering who it could be revealed things us that he's never told anyone. That was an even bigger tease. I uh, I love it, uh, and uh, I just see Jeff Kabilis, big-time tease from Marat. Man, oh, man, LOL. Uh, you know what? It'll be worth the wait. I think we all know, and uh, everyone appreciates Marat's time with mm -hmm. us here. And uh, um, He's uh, an incredible storyteller, uh, not to mention a great analyst of the game, but this sounds like this is a little bit more on the personal side, and I know those are the pieces that he loves, loves doing the most. Um, I see Mitch saying not much in Morris. I would have thought Motown would have maybe been a little higher than some of the areas in and around the city. I guess it all depends on where that dry spot happens. I don't think there'll be much of a dry spot coming in. So uh, yeah, Jay Miller, the snow is, the snow is done. South End turned the snow off for max power. Uh, Re Reg Dunlop, weather porn is out of control. <laughs> That's great, great term for it. Anyways, we'll see what's up. Bottom line is for folks that are outside of the city, be incredibly careful. I mean, the road conditions uh, and visibility seemingly in a bad spot in southern Manitoba. And I don't think it's going to get much better for what Rob described as a pretty long event, um, which is going to be stretching right into Friday. That being said, Reem, we do have quite a bit to get to, including some afternoon baseball. Just before we get to the cool bet lines, big, uh, big cheers to our friends over at Canadian Club. The Canadian Club and Ginger Ready to Drink Cocktail is now good to go at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart and available in the local beer, stars as, uh, beer stores as well. And a special shout out to our guy, James, because we're going to hook up with James yesterday. And I think there was a, a towing of a certain vehicle that impacted our ability to hook up. So I hope that James got all that taken care of. And uh, when he got home after dealing with a bunch of things that he didn't have to deal with, hopefully he cracked one of those CC and gingers and uh, got into blizzard mode safe and sound. Um, again, specials right now all week long 
for the uh, bonus air miles for this Easter weekend on the CC and Ginger six pack. Large bottles of CC are on sale this month. And uh, in about 26 of the biggest liquor marts, there's a special CC display where you'll get a free can of CC and Ginger with the purchase of any Canadian club. Uh, tomorrow, a special Thursday marble race with our friends at Canadian Club. Probably, hopefully, just finishing up the blizzard, getting ready for a long weekend. So if you haven't been with us on Fridays, make sure you're with us tomorrow afternoon because the marble race will be one day early with no show on Good Friday. All right, let's take a look at what's going on in the National Hockey League. And before we do that, Remus, we got a whole whack load of afternoon baseball right now. I'm looking at six games that are underway. I guess we could still live bet them if we want. We'll probably wait on that. Padres, Giants, Astros, D-backs, Reds, Guardians, Tigers, Red Sox, Mets, Phillies. But we do have another Blue Jays game coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. Jays plus 159 underdogs. Barrios back in the mound. I believe this is an opening day rematch. Barrios and Garrett Cole. And um, listen, Barrios is going to be need to be a lot better, Remo. And the bats are going to need to be a lot better. They uh, cooled down significantly yesterday in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, Jays have been hot to start the year. Springer to Oscar Hernandez. Uh, you know, Bo Bichette, they got bats, but they went silent yesterday, not registering a run. I mean, look, there's 162 games. It's going to happen. But yeah, Barrios took the ball opening day against Texas, and we remember... Uh, it did not go well for him. I don't think he made it out of the first inning. But Garrett Cole, the big, you know, the big money guy for the Yankees, he did not have a very good first start either. So, um, you know, good thing he another chance. <laughs> you see, so we'll the, see ERAs? How it the ERAs? The ERAs at the start of the season oh. is always funny when the guy has one yes. start. Oh, oh, here we are. Yes, Barrios, one hundred and eight <laughs> ERA. I mean, when you pitch a third of an inning, give up. I forget how many was four, four runs. runs. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one hundred eight. Garrett Cole, six seventy five. I imagine. Those will be down uh, more in the three range. Certainly will. <laughs> as oh, it goes hey, on. Hey, your guy, uh, your new guy, Robbie Ray with your Mariners. 1-0, 129 ERA on the hill against the White Sox. Dallas Keuchel getting the run for the uh, Sox tonight. Uh, they're 3-1. and one, uh, Clear favorites in that division right now. But uh, Mar Mariners can get back to, to 500 with the win by Mr. Tight Pants. Yeah, they lost yesterday, but Robbie Ray, I think there was a lot of people who thought he wouldn't be able to pitch as well without uh, Pete Walker coaching him, you know, harnessing that command. Uh, he looked pretty good in game one. So Seattle, they have one of the longest playoff droughts in pro sports in North America, if not the longest, 2001, the last time they were in. So they are looking, uh, looking to change that this year. I'm not sure if they'll be able to, but uh, Robbie Ray, yeah, he's, he's a good pitcher. We so, uh, you know, you know, the Mariners, I mean, Mariners right. with Robbie Ray on the hill, even money plus 100 White Sox are minus 122. I mean, uh, should we, do you suggest, do you endorse a Mariners uh, selection tonight? I mean, I'm going to have to, but I mean, if you bet on the Mariners, you're in for a lot of disappointment. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I mean, sure. Why, why not? I think their bats are, are better. I like uh, Mitch Hanniger and who they signed a, Jesse Winker, EJ Henry Suarez. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess if you want, I haven't looked at. Uh, I haven't looked at it too closely, but sure, why not? All right. Well, uh, we've got three games in the National Hockey League tonight. The uh, Habs taking on the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Maybe this will be a day. Patrick Line had been real streaky. He had that crazy stretch. I think he's gone about a dozen, ten or twelve without a goal right now. 
See what happens tonight with that game, although no impact on the playoffs whatsoever. The Flyers have completely quit. What did they give up? A nine spot last night to, to Washington? Can't wait to see what they've got for the Rangers tonight. Flyers plus 166 at home. Rangers minus 196. And the Kings and Avalanche go at it. Um, Avalanche minus 263 favorites at home, plus 215. But Remus, hit those NHL season bets. Couple interesting big changes when it comes to some of the trophies. Austin Matthews with this crazy run that he's been on um, is now the clear-cut favorite for the Hart Trophy. If you remember last week, Matthews was plus 170. McDavid was plus 180. Um, well, with Austin Matthews getting all those, what, eight eight goals since he got 50, despite no none last night against the Sabres, he is the uh, heavy favorite right now to win it. But I'll tell you what, remember, was it not even two weeks ago when we were looking at the Norris Trophy numbers and saying, wait a second, Roman Yossi at plus 300, how could we not jump on that and did? I know we talked about it in the lock shop the next day. It was down to plus 250. Dusty got on it. I just checked the Norris Trophy numbers, and it is finally, it's been, we've been waiting for it to happen. People have finally woken up. Roman Yossi now the favorite to win the Norris Trophy, Remus, at minus 167. Kale McCarr at minus 118. It is a two-horse race right now, but Yossi's pulled ahead in the minds of the odds makers, which is great news for everyone that jumped on when we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, we were just pointing out uh, value there. We thought, hey, look at these two, look at this number on Yossi. Plus 300, it should be a lot closer. And here we are, a week later. Uh, but Yossi's now favored over Makar for the Norris. So that's something something to watch. Uh, so nice call by you there. Hustler. Well, and, and I said, I said, I don't normally do this, but I jumped on that immediately and bet it during the program. So, um, hey, hey, if we can get a three-to-one number on Roman Yossi that's now minus 167, I guess we could bet it the other way with Kale Makar and guarantee uh, some profit. But... I think we'll ride this. Did enough hedging on the weekend with the Masters and Cam Smith. Um, of course, all there at CoolBet for you. You can still get in on the RBC Heritage. If you want some more analysis on RBC Heritage picks, check out yesterday's edition of the Lock Shop that I do with Dustin Nielsen. Just search Lock Shop wherever you get your podcasts or just go back into my feed or Dusty's Twitter feed. The video will be there from yesterday's a little Masters celebration at the start with Scotty Scheffler. Uh, some picks from yesterday. And, oh, I was so close to running the table. The damn lightning. I thought they'd beat the Stars. Ended up losing one nothing. That ruined a perfect night on the hockey side of things. Oh, and one other thing, Remo, that we didn't really get to yesterday on the lock shop or the program. Uh, but we had some NBA play-in action yesterday. We got a little bit more of it tonight. Uh, but the Nets beat the Cavs. They'll move on. And the Timberwolves are back in the playoffs they beat the L.A. Clippers yesterday, so they'll move on. Clippers and Cavs get a, another crack at a game, um, we believe, against, against the uh, the winners of the uh, the subsequent games. Hornets and Hawks going at it tonight, and the Spurs and Pelicans in the other play-in games as part of the play-in tournament. Yeah, I see a lot of people, uh, first of all, the T-Wolves. One thing, the protester who glued herself to the oh. floor... Before the game, I Wasn't mean, it during the game or during either one. I mean, way to ruin the floor. I mean, I don't see if know you what... can get a picture of, of, of this up right now, because folks, yeah, last night in the T wolves, and I can't remember what this lady was protesting. Something to do with some sort of an animal related cause, I believe. 
Um, she apparently crazy glued on the bottom of her shoes and jumped onto the court and tried to glue herself to the court. Now, it was not executed very well. I think she was on the court for all of about 10 seconds or so, but it was a very, very bizarre scene. And at the beginning, they thought that someone had fallen down and then they realized like security is running on and you know, three guys are dragging this lady off that maybe there was a little bit more to it, but certainly a bizarre scene to get the NBA play-in tournament going yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one other comment about that, I see a lot of people roasting uh, the T-Wolves for celebrating too hard after winning a play-in game. Like, look, I think the play-in games are, are kind of dumb, but... They're the T-Wolves, uh, guys. They're the, yeah, they're the, and you see, like, baseball celebrates so hard after clinching the playoffs after what the play in round after winning each series it's a long season let them celebrate and yes I have it's, it's the, the t-wolves I, I have a theory on this Reem, and it's particularly in baseball we'll get back to the t-wolves in a second but we all know about the the large book of unwritten rules that is not available to everyone but apparently exists mm -hmm. in the sport of baseball we know how you know, you're not supposed to pimp home runs. You're not supposed to get too happy. You're supposed to, you know, act like you've been there and keep everything down. Well, that happens all season long. And then when things happen, like someone wins a wild card game, I think all of that's pent up energy and they celebrate like they just won a fifth straight World Series for the smallest of victories in an enlarged postseason. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to celebrate the wins. Good for, uh, good for the T-Wolves. I see... Uh... At Beverly, you know, some people are roasting him, some people not, but um, I don't know, like, sure, go go celebrate. Have have a good time. I think you like to see that. Was not maybe a bit over the top for a wild card? I mean, possibly, but again, I see some baseball people roasting it, and baseball goes out of control for a lot of them. Oh, yeah. No, uh, hey, listen, I'm here for it. And Kabilis very correctly says T-Wolves haven't been relevant since Kevin Garnett played there. Good for them. Uh, really was a good, like, I don't know how how long Cat's been there, Carl Anthony Towns, mm -hmm. uh, but they've had no success. And you know what? Overall, I mean, they had a good season. Like, it was sort of surprising that they're even playing in that game last night when you consider they had a 46 and 36 record. Uh, but Hey, whatever. They got the Grizzlies now. Big, big matchup in the first round. It'll start off in Memphis. Your other series that we know so far. Let me just get here uh, to this when things get going on the weekend. Uh, we've got the Celtics and Nets, the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Raptors begin on Saturday. Oh, and remember we said it was a five o'clock game, Reem? Uh, it's now back to one o'clock. It'll be the noon game on Saturday. I see that it's been changed. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's now 1 PM TNT all times Eastern. So that'll be a noon start for you Raptor fans on uh, actually, noon on Saturday. That's I what just, I'm looking at it right I, now. I just saw Adam Seaborn tweeting about it going head to head with hockey night in Canada. ESPN has it. ESPN has it. 1 p.m. on TNT Saturday, April really? 23rd, and then 3:30 p.m. on TNT. The Mavs and Jazz. Okay, I'm on the Score app, so that's we That's weird if they changed it. I mean, not weird. Not weird considering where the Raptors traditionally play. But I'm wearing my Raptors uh, hat today, so I'll have to tune in. Tune in on Saturday. Well, it's uh, weird because you know on ESPN on the scores they've got it as one o'clock and 3:30. 
and then if you just go to the NBA schedule there, mm-hmm. they've got it as Utah, Dallas early, then Minnesota, Memphis, then Toronto, Philadelphia. So uh, some fake news out there on one part of the ESPN, uh, but it's weird. I mean, they are broadcasting a bunch yeah. of these games. At NBA.com still has five, five o'clock. I think it's still five. I think it's Excellent. Well, it could be fake news on the uh, scores page of ESPN. Mm. Regardless, NBA playoffs get going soon. We'll be all yeah. over the Raptors. Um, it probably won't do anything tomorrow on it, although maybe we will do a setup, uh, but certainly next week as the season continues. And just to check before we finish up on CoolBet, and again, use the promo code WST if you've never played at CoolBet before for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit has been a little bit of a line movement. Raptors were plus 150. They're now plus 155. And I will be making a heart bet on that one. Remo and back in the Raptors would love to see them upset the Sixers. Sixers have a lot of pressure on them and the Raptors in a lot of ways, I think are playing with house money, but that is just a great team top to bottom with arguably the best coach in the game. Um, I'm confident that the Raptors are going to make this a real series. I think they definitely could, but yes, a lot of pressure on Philadelphia, you know, not getting past uh, what Milwaukee last year and getting James Harden. So I think it'll be good. Some big star power uh, on the Philly side in this series. And we know, you know, the Jays, the Raptors, uh, they got some players too. Oh, hey, listen, before we go, um, speaking of Major League Baseball unwritten rules, a big code violation last night in that Padres Giants game. Yeah, a couple items uh, we, I want to get to here before we wrap up. Um, Mauricio Dubon of the San Francisco Giants bunted for a hit with a nine-run lead over the Padres. The Padres were not happy. Eric Hosmer looking at him at first, very disappointed. The Padres manager, Bud Black, also not happy. Uh, what's your take on the well, unwritten I'm just rules, reading, I'm, reading, foul. I'm reading the book of unwritten rules right now, and oh man, that is a big no-no. That is a big <laughs> no-no. Absolute disrespect to do what you could do to get on in a nine-nothing game. You're supposed to quit. You're not supposed to be trying anymore at that point. And um, in fact, I don't even know why the guy showed up to the plate with a bat. Yeah, um, you know, just an, an egregious, egregious uh, violation of the unwritten <laughs> rules of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, they should have just, I mean, why even bother playing? They should have just ended the game and ended the game. So. Don't they uh, have the don't, mercy rule? Don't yeah. they have the mercy rule anymore in, uh, in Major League Baseball? Yeah. No, they don't. Uh, no, but uh, the other one, uh, I don't know if you saw this, it just happened now. Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game through seven innings, only 80 pitches. And you think don't they tell let, me they took him out. They took him out. Get out! Come on! <laughs> They took him out. Perfect game, 80 pitch perfect game through seven, and they're going to the pen. Yeah, they won. I mean, hey, they won the game. All that matters, wins and alls. He left healthy. Um, I guess. I think because it look, it's the beginning of the year. Man, 13 strikeouts. It's the beginning of the year. You know, maybe they're not a stretch out. Blame the lockout, Huss. They had the shortened uh, spring training, couldn't stretch out properly. He's had arm issues in the past. Um, I mean, I don't know. He's had a no-hitter before. Um, I, I don't know what to say. That's, I think, disappointing for everyone who would want to see the 80 pitches. you think he'd be able to go two innings throwing the way that he was against Minnesota. But, no, they took him out. People on Twitter, very mad 
online. You let him go for that that perfect game. I guess it's Kershaw, and he knows that. I mean, he's so important to the club. Maybe I'll mm. give him a pass, and the Dodgers a pass on that. But that would suck to be at the game, think you're going to be witnessing history, and then uh, you know someone else comes out of the bullpen to start the eighth. Like no hitters. I think we've seen it. It's been done. Seemingly anyone can pitch a no hitter. Uh, Sean Manea had a no hitter with the Padres last week through like uh, seven or so. And they took him out. It wasn't even a big deal. But perfect game. There's only been like like 22 perfect games in Major League history. Like, come on, you got to give her here. But no, Clayton Kershaw will opting to protect uh, his arm, and uh, hey, they couple, took him out. A couple NFL notes: uh, Derek Carr got a three-year, 121 million dollar extension with the Raiders. He's now the longest tenured AFC quarterback, which is a bit surprising. But that just goes to show you the turnover at that position and all the incredibly talented young QBs. Niner fans freaking out right now. Debo Samuel wants to get paid. He wants the 25 mil. It was on the table for Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Apparently, the Niners have said, oh, yeah, go ahead. Find a uh, find a trade partner, if you will. So I, we'll see how that works out. I, a loss of Debo in the Shanahan offense, I think, would be devastating. And... Um, that's basically the big NFL news. But Remo, we just have to quickly get to a, an incident last night from the Oilers Wild game. A big, big home win for the Wild. I mean, Oilers have been rolling strong performance, but not surprising. Things got a little chippy later on in the game. And it was Evander Kane who was allegedly starting, it was defending his teammate Kyler Yamamoto it happened to be Kirill Kaprizov the number one player on the Minnesota Wild things got a little testy Ryan Hartman came in and then yes the greeting the straight up flipping the bird on the ice I can't remember the last time I've seen that in the National Hockey League um, and it cost him some money he got a just sub $5,000 fine but whatever happened to good old telling a guy off with uh, you know with the actual usage of English as opposed to a sign language Finger, I mean, it's just a finger has, but it's fourth. That's fourth, that's like $4,200 finger right there. And the ref slapping his hand away. No, no, people can't see <laughs> this finger. Oh my God, my eyes are burning. Sorry, I didn't, sorry to everyone in chat. I didn't put like blur out the finger, but this is the picture that was shown on. And he did call out Kane after the game saying that his teammates stepped in and Kane's teammates did not. However, after reviewing the tape, that may not entirely be true. But yeah, 40. And then I don't know if you saw, I think uh, there's a picture going around online that Evander Kane's wife gave Ryan Hartman $200 to help pay for the fine, or his ex wife, uh, Anna Kane. That's going I, around. I don't even want to touch the Anna Kane stuff right now, but um, you can look it up for yourself. She had a couple of very interesting so, Instagram yeah. posts over the course of the last week. Apparently, it's on her Instagram story. There it is, A Kane. <laughs> saying that you paid him 200 bucks so i don't is there anything juicier than kane's ex-wife using and i i don't want to suggest where she gets her money from but i mean listen when people are married you know i think there's a good chance that some of that might have been a vander's and the fact that she's using it to pay a fine for a guy that flipped off her ex in a nhl game is pretty damn good she did put out a note saying to nhl teams she's available to sit in the front row she has as a distraction come playoff time. So who knows? Maybe Anna Kane will be uh, down at front row in the Staples welcoming Evander back in the first round of the playoffs. Could things get, get any more ugly with that guy off the ice? I don't know. This wasn't really any of his doing, but 
uh, when you put it out on social media and serve it up to all of us like a raw steak to a to a rabid dog uh, we'll jump all over it. We'll talk about it. We'll have a laugh about it. I'm just glad I'm not involved. Yeah. In speaking of social media, two other things, um, not to rub it in, but here's what the Jets are up to. Pierre-Luc Dubois putting this shot out on Instagram story today. Thanks. Duber right, 18. I'm out. Trade this guy. Trade yeah. this guy. <laughs> this. How dare he troll all of us? I, I actually thought that he had a future in Winnipeg, but after this sort of blade, like it, this, this Remus, this might be worse than the money phone. What uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is done? He we're might... trading everybody does, now. Doesn't he know we're suffering here in the blizzard of the of the century? It's horrible. Yeah, what a middle. Just might as well have given the middle finger to everyone in the city that he plays for. Have some awareness, Pierre Luc Dumois. <laughs> Come on, Pierre. Oh, it's going to be tough to get over. Tough to get over. I don't know. I was I was all in on signing this guy to a long-term deal, but just with one simple Instagram story, I've done a 180. I'm out. I'm out. The trade, a disaster. Yeah. Blah, no future in Winnipeg after a, a virtual slap to the face of every Winnipeg Jet fan dealing with the blizzard. BA split writing in chat 55 would never do that he'd be in the gym and yes how dare the jets take a day off and be at the beach they should be working out training uh training for friday's game against the florida panthers what a 12 hour video sessions going over all the action this year finding out what the heck went wrong and why they're in the situation they're in right now yeah oh my god what my blood is boiling thinking of this. Uh, hold on. Someone says they saw Kyle Connor was golfing. Oh, they should be reviewing film oh, of all their mistakes that, from the season. We need no. to trade Connor too? No, no, he didn't post that. That's fake news. Oh, Dubois. Uh, well, listen, we're going to be checking. We're going to be checking these Instagram accounts right yeah. away. <laughs> uh, okay, one other thing from social media. Uh, Chris Pronger's been going viral for posting some Twitter threads last week and again this week about just the financial aspects of being a pro hockey player. And, you know, when you see, you know, a five-year, $30 million contract, for example, how much, you know, the players are actually taking home. I found this quite interesting. I think this is a a life, you know, that um, a lot of us don't get to experience. And I was curious how it worked. I do see a lot of other people taking it the opposite way, uh, wanting to cancel Chris Pronger saying that he's crying poor. Um, I didn't take it that way as all. I just said he, he's trying to give insight on a life that, you know, some of us don't know about the same way, you know, uh, Connor McDavid posted a video of uh, his house with a heated driveway and social media earlier this year. I mean, this is just information. Take what you want. I don't see, I didn't take it that way at all. I don't, I don't know. People get a lot of people mad online. I see. Oh, I tweeted about this. Um, like it was an interesting thread. And unfortunately, this whole app is usually just one big pity party. And, uh, you know, I don't make that much money in 40 years or 50 years. Well, you know what? That's not their problem. And Chris Pronger is talking about financial responsibility for players that are in the top 1% of what they do in a very lucrative industry with very short careers. So if you take that as some sort of rubbing it in the face, that these guys make a lot of money. I don't know what to tell you. I think people need to be uh, like, listen, there's a lot of things in today's world that you probably justifiably should be offended about. 
this sort of thing not even remotely close and um I think a lot of those people that are having a hard time with all this should spend more time playing their own ball, as they say, and not worrying about um, other things like what people are making for their four or five year career in the national hockey. Well, um, I think I think financial um, literacy for athletes is something uh, important. I mean, talk about uh, there was that thirty for thirty broke. I think Antoine Walker made like hundred million contract and uh, went bankrupt. So. I think it's something important to talk about and understand. I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. Um, yeah. I, I didn't see it the other way. No, no, for sure. Anyways, people need to take a chill pill. Chris Pronger, not getting canceled. It was a great thread. It was interesting. And it was important for a lot of people that might be fortunate enough to be in that situation at some point in their life where they're getting paid that much and they think it's going to be around forever. And the bottom line is it won't. Um, Great show today. Remo, what's going on tonight? Any big plans? Any big gatherings? Uh, I was going to do my taxes. Start getting its taxis and start getting taxes together. Um, I know my wife is doing that now. That's probably, probably what I was going to do. I don't know. Watch some baseball. Yeah. Jay's game tonight for sure. New Kabils is fired up. We've got another edition of AEW at 7 on TSN. And three hockey games tonight. It would have been great if last night's slate was maybe spread out a little bit more over these two games. There was so much going on last night. It was tough yeah. to tough to uh, pay attention to it all. Yeah, one game Monday, like every game Tuesday, and then a couple games tonight. So uh, we got that. And yeah, Jays, Jays Yankees as well. Good stuff. Well, listen, we should get these pods up. Um, I know a lot of people. Great to see. If you're a newcomer, thanks so much for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe. Join us daily at 1 o'clock. Tomorrow, folks, we will do a marble race at the end of the program. We'll have lots of Jets content. Rowicki's going to join us. Ken Weeb's going to join us as well. Um, we'll talk a little Jays, maybe a bit of Raptors heading into the long weekend. Um, and we'll certainly have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. They We'll be off the beach of the golf course tomorrow, I believe, practicing. So um, uh, we will hear. I guess there's no media there, though. Mike was supposed to be the one guy. Uh, maybe we'll touch base with Jamie Thomas or Mitch Clinton, get the, uh, get the taste of what's happening there. Bottom line is, stay in tonight. Stay off the roads. Enjoy yourself. We'll be back tomorrow to keep you company as the blizzard of 2022 continues. Huge thanks to all of our sponsors that make this show each and every day happen. Aikens Lake, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Whiskey, and don't forget, CC and Ginger now in your beer store and liquor store. And of course, our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. Thanks to Rob Paula. Thanks to Murata Tesh. Thanks to Ed Tate. Have a great one tonight, folks. Stay warm. Stay inside. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.